let's get down to business. Thanks for coming out tonight. I wrote me a manual, a step-by-step booklet for you to get. Oh, I make money You can't see me, my time is now. What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to another episode of the Massive Joe's Show, Fitness Times Business. My name is Joseph Mensel, CEO of Massive Joe's. I am your host, and I'm joined in this episode 24. I'll be, I'll be interested to know if you get this one. By to Massive Joe's, what Derek Fisher was. To the LA Lakers no. back in the Kobe day. No. No? No love on that one? No, not good. Come on, man. That's not, that's not episode 24. Kobe Bryant wore number 24. Yeah. Derek Fisher was he, like his right hand man back in the Laker days. You're like my right hand man at Massive Joe's. I like Kobe back when he was number eight, though. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Massive Joe's general manager, Steve Mills. Hello. And in this episode 24, we have a very, very special guest. Let me see. Let me see how I go introducing. Let's start with Team Massive Joe sponsored athlete, reigning WBFF Australian Pro Fitness Model Champion. Just recently, last month, placed fourth at the WBFF World Titles, fourth in the world in the Pro Fitness Model category. My good man, Freshy and Rucker. What's good, brother? What's happening, that's, man? Man, that's... Um, was that good? That was really great. Yeah. It's illustrious, I actually. didn't even have any of that written down. I just I kind see. of... I just pulled that out of the... I, I, feel, I got goosebumps. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I feel it. Thank you. Welcome to the podcast, man. It's your first experience on the Massive Joshua podcast. If I'm not mistaken, it's actually your first podcast ever. Would that be correct? Second, second. No, oh, this, you could have just said it was. I could have. He didn't hesitate for a second. He was like, am I going to tell a lie here and yeah. say it is just a... Because <laughs> these lies have seen a thousand lies, so I, I had to keep it real. Um, this is my first official oh. um, podcast with the actual setup mm-hmm. the right way. Um, I've done a few things in the past that was pretty much like, yo... Hop like in the bathtub, bathtub, like yeah, those are the front top podcasts. Yeah, 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 it was yeah, in the same room, yeah, but it was yeah, like you yeah. know, it's getting this echo proof room and shit. And yeah, I'm like, mm, yeah, cool, all right. But you know, I had to test the waters. Absolutely, yeah, it was good. Well, welcome, man. Welcome to the Massive Joe Show podcast. Thank you for having me. Now, for those of you tuning in for the first time, because we always do have first time listeners that maybe have missed the first twenty three episodes. This is the first one they're listening to. A little bit of background: Fitness Times Business is our tagline. So we like to talk a little bit about fitness. We like to talk a little bit about business. When we have a special guest on the podcast, like you find self fresh, we like to mix it up a little bit and we kind of go interview style. So I like to let the guests introduce themselves, give us a little bit of background to who they are, who they are, where they've come from, how they kind of got to the position where they are right now. And as I introduce you, you are the number one fitness model in the country. I am. Uh, number one pro fitness model in the country. Let me just add that in there as well. So how you kind of got from, you know, baby fresh to fresh. At I, the I like that. Cause yeah, some, and, in fresh. some sort, yeah, I always kind of <laughs> look back at baby yeah, fresh, yeah. to be honest, like, yeah, cause absolutely. that's really where it all started for me. So we'd like to let you kind of tell your story, give us a bit of background. And then we're going to go kind of interview style, ask you some questions about fitness, business, see what we can pull out and add value to the listeners. Obviously, you guys listening, watching on the YouTube channel, uh, this podcast is about bringing as much value as we possibly can to you guys. So when we have guests on, we like to kind of pick into their brains a little bit and pull out the most valuable pieces of information that we can. 
So, with that in mind, Fresh, give us a little bit of background to Freshie and Rucker. Well, like I say, if you don't know, you really, really won't know unless I actually tell you. And the reason why I always say that is because when I was a little kid, I used to ask so many questions. Like, mm. My mom used to call me question mark because I really just wanted to know so much shit. Mm. You know, I'm asking everything. I'm reading everything. I'm just picking up labels on shit that I'm not meant to look at. Like, you know, I'm looking at cement bags and I'm like, mom, why did they, why are they putting this in here? Like, you know, I'm reading ingredients and shit, but that was something that stuck with me all the way from an adolescent, a baby on into adulthood. Mm. And, um, if, if you don't know, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. Um, Born and raised out of the South of America. If you know a little bit about the South, it is, it's the dirty South, is what they call it. You know, it's the dirty <laughs> South. Uh, we produce a lot of great talent when it comes to sports in general. So I've always had that in my face straight away. It's athletics. This is what you're going to do. It's going to teach you how to be disciplined. It's going to give you some character. It's going to give you some challenges. It's going to put the pressure on you. And um, as a kid, it just kind of kept me busy. And it put the pressure on me to make sure that I was like making my peers, I know it's not gonna sound weird, but I wanted to make my peers happy or proud and my mentors, even the ones that didn't know they was my mentors, like all go in the room. And if I'm gonna be in that room for like three months, like constantly having to come to this place, I'm gonna at least make one to two people I know I would like to take something from my mentor and they may not even know it. Mm. And then maybe later on in life, I'm able to go, hey, you know, back then, I saw you like this, and now I'm seeing you in this light. And uh, I think that's one of the most beautiful things about sports is as a kid, you get to come across so many different unique people when you're out here playing sports, learning who you are, learning what it means to represent where you're from, and not just saying like your state and your city, but like your house, what your mom is teaching you, what your dad is teaching you, what your brothers are teaching you. And uh, for me, all that pretty much comes full circle when I look at where I am today, because I went through a lot of trying to figure out, am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? What did you experiment? Like what, when you say sports, like what, what's your sporting background? Like what, uh, did, you, what did you experiment with sport, sports oh, wise dude, back in? I thought I was going to be Michael Jordan. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to be the number eight, Kobe Bryant, you yeah. know? Um, so our intro was quite timely. <laughs> it, was very, <laughs> it was very timely. I was like, damn, they, they like. So it. basketball? Basketball, yeah. man. I had to tell you this real quick. Yeah. I'm such a Kobe Bryant fan that mm. I still watch Kobe Bryant. Mm. He didn't even play basketball anymore. Mm. I'm all over his Instagram. So as a kid, Kobe was like in high school for me. I was like five years old. I knew that. I was like, oh, damn, this man gonna get drafted. And I was like, oh, cool. I can do that. I can do something like that. I mm -hmm. knew I could do something like that. Got to high school, it was too short. My coach straight away, you might need to go to a community league basketball team. I'm like, what? He's like, dude, you're like 5'1". Mm. You're never gonna be a pro basketball. You're not going to college doing this shit. And I'm like, really? Why would you tell me that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I was almost upset. And I went to that community team and I played and I was like, damn, this ain't even right. You know what I'm doing? Mm. I'm not getting the fundamentals, the same fundamentals I was being taught over here in my other school because they actually cared about the sport. This is like community building, mm. et cetera. Like it's free, like it's cool, but I really need to go hard. I need to go to that next level. So mm. somebody was like, you look like you're fast. I was like, yeah, I am. You should run track. I said, what's that? <laughs> now I'm like 12, 13 years old. All I've ever been doing from four is basketball. So someone said, you should go sprint. I'm like, do some suicides, bro? What, what, do, you, what do you mean? I'm not doing that. They're like, no, nah, it's fun. I'm like, how is that fun? And uh, I started going to track practice and 
we started peeling back the layers of the, the potential that was there. And it was crazy because I was in basketball gear every practice I was showing up. Mm. I was like, dude, you ain't going to never fly. I'm like, what do you mean? You can shoes is too heavy. I'm like, oh, didn't know that they were heavy and they made shoes for this. So I was learning that. Learned that I was actually pretty fast. Learned that I had potential to be a great jumper, you know. But I kind of started a little late, you know, mm. really late to be doing track and field. But I loved it. I had a passion for the hard work. It was such a hard sport, you know. You can't you can't run track and not know what pain is and mm. not have that relationship with your mind saying, okay, I'm cool with going through this because at the end of this, I'm gonna be faster. Mm. And how do I make that sense to a 13 year old young man? You know, that's wanting to just run the halls of the high school, skip school, skip class, talk to whoever you, you can talk to today, blue in the face, you know, mm. girls, et cetera, eat candy, all this shit. And that's what I was doing. You know, I was mm. 13, 14. And then it kind of clicked. I started running amateur athletic union, track and field. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Y'all don't have that here in Australia. But the amateur athletic union is pretty much like the next level of any circuit of athletics that you would go to before going pro if you don't go to college. Mm -hmm. So they got USA track and field, mm -hmm. right? That's the that's the circuit you run on when you're 18, 19. You can go out here. You can potentially be seen by scouts. You can get that Adidas deal. If you got Justin Gatlin, Usain Bolt, speed. And so you just don't have the platform. Mm -hmm. Like going to UCLA, but your mom and your dad have been training you or whoever your coach has been training you. We had those type of opportunities. So I knew that. I started digging deep. I was like, okay, cool. I need to network. I need to get myself in the right pool. And so once I started seeing that, it started really like changing me as a human. And I, I, and I, I say this because I want people to understand how powerful knowledge is. Mm. The knowledge that I was getting from the internet, from Google, and books, I was reading these, I was reading this Michael Johnson book, who's a track and field legend. And um, all this knowledge was like changing my mindset of how I went to practice and all the rituals and the habits I started to form. Like I started to actually want to stretch. I wanted to go through all of my workouts. I didn't ever want to give up. Uh, I don't care what the case may have been. I might have left my shoes or something. I'm figuring something, I'm figuring it out. And then it got to the point to where I was questioning my training with my coach because I was like, well, you got a lot of eggs in this basket. I mean, you got a lot of eggs in other baskets. Like, you're the basketball coach, you're the football coach, you're the track coach. Damn, how are you going to pay attention to what we're doing? You know, I'm trying to get fast, and I feel like it's taking too long. You know what I mean? Like, mm. And this is, I'm a kid, so I'm thinking, like, man, I need, I need to shave some time off my off my 400. I need mm. to jump 21s and 22 feet in the long jump, um, six, six meter 40 or seven meters. And I'm, like, stressing about this shit. And he's looking at me like, dude, I'm the coach. You the player. So I'm pulling a Kobe, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that was always my mindset. And it got to the point to where Alpha Male hit Alpha Male. And this is before I knew I was Alpha Male. I'm in an office. I'm I'm banging it out with my coach. We arguing. We hit mm. the track and we at the track at the track. We were arguing. We flat out screaming. I'm like, man, it's not healthy. You know, I, I gotta find out a way to make this work in a healthier way of, of having the power of knowledge, you know. Pulling that card on someone at such a young age, it's unfair for me. It's unfair for that human. But I didn't know that. Mm. I was just doing whatever I wanted to do. And a couple of weeks later, I get a call. Well, my mom got the call. And the teachers that are working at my mom's school pretty much saw my performances and was like, look, my husband, he's a track and field coach over here at this school. What do you think about your boy running for this program? And I was like, oh, well, how are we going to do that? Because the school I went to, I went to a school called Craigmont High School, which is an inner city school 
for like urban kids. And when I say for like urban kids, it's zone. Like everyone knows, like you got zones for schooling mm-hmm. and certain zones are better than others. Like that's just the case. And if I had to compare the zone that I was in, I'd say like I was in the Bronx versus like being in Manhattan. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, and within through, I was in a better part of the Bronx, mm-hmm. but then I also had people at my school that was like, from the real rough parts of the Bronx. Mm-hmm. And so like we say North Memphis mm-hmm. and North Memphis is a place like you never really want to be dropped off in, in your car. You <laughs> just like walking around trying to figure out where the nearest gas station. You don't want to do that. So hindsight 2020, I knew my mom was like, okay, this is a really great situation or time for this situation to get him out of this place. And I knew it in my head. And I was like, man, I gotta leave all my friends though. Like, but I started to think, are these really my friends? All I really do is go to track practice, go to dance. And I was a dancer. I was going to dance practice. Those were the guys I hung out with. They all a year or two old to me. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. They're going to leave. They're going to graduate. It's going to just be me anyway. I never really rocked with the 09 group anyway. It's my year I graduated high school. And uh, I know a few of them, but I didn't know no a few. I'm like, I'm not really thugging with y'all like that. Some of y'all went to middle school with, but then some of y'all lost ties with because I went to another school. I did a lot of school hopping. So it helped me a lot in reading different rooms and being the new kid on the block and shit like that. You just get the chance to read so many different people. And so when I finally got this opportunity to go to this new school, White Station High School, even sounds better, right? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, um, it's closer to Midtown, which Miss, Midtown is close to the University of Memphis. So that area is really like, it's clean. You know, it's, it's a mall over there. Uh, it's a couple of shopping centers with restaurants and there's a Panera Bread. If you ever heard of that, Panera mm-hmm. Bread is like, ooh, damn, you got Panera Bread down the <laughs> Okay. But then like, for me, I was a dude coming from the Bronx. So I'm like, what the fuck? What are y'all doing? Like, mm. why y'all got y'all shirts tucked in? Oh, okay, y'all wearing the uniform proper? Why? You know, and I was like wearing red shirts to school, like different color shoelaces. I was just like pimping my whole outfit out, and like my teacher was like, "What you doing, boy? Uh huh? This ain't great, man. You need to get your act together." I'm like, "I ain't even did anything yet. What do you mean?" And he come to school with the right dress code. But I say, "Blah, this, this, and that." They calling up my track coach, telling them what what I'm doing. I'm like, whoa, these folks are really on to me. And it was two other young men that I had met prior to transferring into this school. They really shaped me a lot because they was like, bro, you in a whole new environment, dude. You got to get with the program. These dudes, it's crazy, though, because these dudes are so far ahead. And I saw that they were already taking courses that was going to give them college credits and shit. You know, they was taking shit like AP biology, AP chem. And I'm like, what what are y'all doing, bro? Like with the conversations I would have with them, though, was just next level. And it got to the point where I started asking for help because I was like, well, I'm, I'm an athlete and I'm really good at what I do. But where do I go next? Like. This is only high school. Like, I really want to take this to the next level if I'm saying I want to be a pro athlete. And so talking to them, they're like, well, look, bro, you got to get your ACT right, bro. You need to get your grades right, man. Like, you need to be in class, dude. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, dude, um, I'm going to practice. I'm, I I got a PB on my squat today. I got to take a nap. Like, And this is really like, it sounds crazy, but I wanted to live the life of a pro athlete. Mm-hmm. So honestly, that's what I was trying to do as close as I could in high school. I was waking up early. I was getting my meals together or my lunch or whatever. I'd get to school. This is like my junior, senior year. I get to school, my first class. 
was, it's funny, it was gym because mm-hmm. I had taken, taken so many electives coming up through my middle school. And just to flash back real quick, when I was in middle school, I left Craigmont Middle and I went to a charter school. Cause my mom was like, well, you need to, you need to tighten this shit up. I'm a school teacher. Your grandma's school teacher. Like, you know, I'm like, all right, cool. I got the potential. Memphis Academy of Science and Engineering. I went there. School was from eight o'clock AM to 5.30 PM. It was a G J O B. I almost spelled G O D because about the blessings of God is the only way I made it through that. But, um, yeah, we got laptops and everything. It was all cool. I was like, hell cool. I got laptop. Hold on, wait. I'm actually working here. They got me sitting at home with laptops and shit. Mm. So it was two years of like, ah, oh, so much work. I'm losing all this other potential that I got. I, I used to play the viola and shit. I'm losing all of that because I'm just doing technology and calculating mm. fucking charisma. You know what I'm saying? I really was, though. I was calculating charisma because I was batting heads. I'm an Aries. I was batting heads with all these, these uh, head figures of like, Power. Like, this is what you're gonna do. You're gonna do that. You're gonna do. I'm like, man, I don't want to do that. I just wanna be free. Like, let me wear what I want to wear. And like, I really had to wear button ups and like loafers and I tuck my shirt in with a belt. I'm like, bro, every morning I have to wake up and like really, really get dressed when other kids out here just throwing on t shirts and like shorts. That's just not fair. So, anyway, fast forward, I'm at this other high school. I'm learning. I'm getting my grades up. You know, I'm driven because of my friends. I'm going to them, asking them questions because they like, look, if you need help, come to us. I'm literally in between classes. So we, we, we'd go, we'd have seven periods. And I know between my uh, fifth and sixth period course, we had like 10 minutes break. And I'd go hit up my friends. I'd be like, hey, bro, um, I, I need help with this. Like, Can you look at my homework type deal? I'm 17 years old asking another 17 year old to look at my homework. But that's because I knew that it was on another level and I wanted that and I knew I had that potential. And I'm like, well, if I ask these guys, like I said, if you don't know, you will not know. So I kept asking them. They was so loving with it. You know, it was weird because I'm like, man, where I'm from, dudes ain't like that, bro. Like, I don't nobody really know. And the people that do know, like, afraid of the ones who don't know. Because mm. the ones who don't know walking down the hallway with goals in their mouth and they pants sagging. So that was the environment I was accustomed to. So I just wasn't going to say shit. And then these dudes, these are still friends. They're not like my best friends to this day. And it's crazy because they, I, I got to give them the credit for helping me shape up all of that stuff I was learning. And then fast forwarding from there to college, mm. that was like a real, I think for me, game changer. Because I was telling my mom when I was 17, 18, I was like, well, what if I don't go to college? I want to go do, I want to pursue modeling like type shit. I want to be an entertainer. She's like, boy, what you mean? Like, you know, I didn't, I didn't do this, all of this work, you know, to have you just piss it off on, I don't know, dancing, mm. backflipping, <laughs> in the camera. Cause I always loved being in front of the camera, always. And she knew that, but she was real hard on me about it. She's like, nah, you gotta go to college. I'm like, all right, what I'm gonna do? She, what do you mean you gonna do? You gonna run track? I'm like, well, my ACT scores really ain't that good. Man. A great ACT score is like 30, 28. I was getting like 16s, 17. I was struggling to get 17s. I was getting them. Finally got that 18. I was like, ooh, 18. You know, my boys are getting 25s and 26. I'm hanging around dudes getting 30s and shit. I'm like, how am I in this room? Mm. They're getting 30s. I'm getting 18. Like, they doubling my score. Like, what the fuck? Anyway, I just was like, well, because I'm the caliber of these type of people. It's a paper test. It's not telling me that. I'm as smart as I really am in the real world. This is like a standardized test that's been formatted to institutionalize a group of people. Mm. And I was getting that conversation 
from a figurehead, my mom. She's, a, she's been a school teacher. She's been around school teachers all her life. So I was hearing that, and I'm like, okay, let me research this. You know what I mean? And I started researching. I'm like, okay, damn, this is kind of right. You know what I mean? Like, it's based off of what you've been taught in your curriculum. Mm. My curriculum, fuck, it's been so broad, man. Went to a charter school, went to inner city school, came to another school, and I was giving grades. You know, people was like, hey, huh, here you go. We want our school to look good mm. when you leave. So here's a straight A's. Mm. I'm like, whoa, I got straight A's, but that ain't helping me. You know what I'm saying? It's handicapping me. And that's when that came out with the no child left behind. And see, I'm from America, so I, I, like the references that I'm bringing up, this is when... um. George Bush was in office. Do y'all remember that when he was reading up the, the book Upside Down? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's when they came out with the No Child Left Behind. I was like, man, they need to come out with the No Man Left Behind. Mm. The book was upside down. I'm like, these are the examples we're getting. All right, I, I was time to wake up. And I think, yeah, I was in ninth grade, 10th grade, somewhere in there. And all of that hit me at once, once I entered college, because I was on this campus. I didn't have anyone to hold me accountable. I'm on, I'm, I'm living in a um, co-ed dorm. So as anything goes, you know, I'm like red shirting. I heard the term red shirt. So basically as a red shirt, you either didn't meet the standards statistically for the grades and shit like that, or you missed a course that you got, you got to either do the course or you're not eligible because you're coming in from another college and you already had a season. So you got to redshirt a season in order to fulfill a four year like scholarship as a collegiate athlete. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was the latter. It was not so earlier. Sorry that I didn't have the grades, you know what I'm saying? I missed the course and I was like, well, fuck, I'm here now. Though. Like somebody pulled some strings. Somebody got me in the system. Like, let's go. Mm. So I was going so hard, man. You know, my whole first semester of my freshman year, I was in the best shape of my life. And like people would look at this video or this uh, podcast and be like, bro, you in the best shape of your life now. I'm like, no. When I was like 18, 18 years old, I was in the best life. I mean, shape of my life. I was running sub 50s and 51s, almost 49s and 400. You know, I got it. I was peaking and it was so good to me because it was something I had been working with, working towards since I was 13. You know, so I was 13. Running the 400, running minutes, like 60 seconds, right? Mm-hmm. And now I'm 18, and I'm running 50. I took 10 seconds off my time. Like, damn, how you do that? It's all strategy, though. So I had to learn that strategy for the 400 and start breaking that shit down. And once I learned that it was a strategy, I kept that strategy in my head. But I didn't learn that strategy until really late in the game. Mm-hmm. And when I say late in the game, I was 18. We was at a um, finals meet to make it to the Junior Olympics is what they have in the uh, AAU. It's the Junior Olympics, which is the best of the best, like the WBFF. <laughs> it's the best of the best you get out there, man. It's cats out there running 48s, 47s. My best friend was one of them. And it was really annoying. I'm like, man, this dude, how the hell you running 47, bro? Mm. We the same age. What's in your water, fam? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, my guy, Ren, um, was running that shit when he was eight years old. You know what I'm saying? So he was running track while I was over there trying to be Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. He was already out here doing that thing. You know, And I really, really liked that when I met him. I only met him when I was 12, 13 years old. And when I found out about him, I was like, oh, another mentor. You know what I'm saying? Like I had them two mentors in high school. He didn't even know. Anyway, fast forwarding to that semester, it, things kind of got crazy because I was sitting out for so long. I'm like, man, what am I going to do? Like, I'm sitting here waiting. It's all these 
temptations, you know, parties being thrown here. Um, I'm in a co-ed dorm. It's Wednesday and I got class Thursday morning, but they're talking about it's, it's wet Wednesday, like, you know, shots here. I'm like, damn, check that out. You know, mm. so, and it's college, uh, semesters run from August to December. And then that's, that's your fall semester. Then the spring, and everybody get a spring break in spring, and like the stuff you see on the movies is actually real. It's worse. It's worse in real life. <laughs> like, fuck, it is worse in real life, but it's, it's in a good way. I think that's a that's a question of perspective when you're in college. Everything really is with that perspective of like, mm, this is good right now, but tomorrow this is gonna be bad. I don't want to think about that shit, you know. And it's funny because I'm I can see I'm such a visionary, I can see what I'm talking about right now. Like I stayed in this dorm called Kay's Hall and people was outside putting the fire alarm just so they could see the girls come out of the other dorms. So I was like, What why are we doing that? What the fuck? I need to be asleep, bro. It's one AM. Y'all gonna tell me you gonna leave our dorm to go pull the fire alarm with another one just so y'all can see the cheeks on my But this is before Instagram though. Like <laughs> we couldn't slide in the <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like had to pull the fire alarm. So that was all the temptation. And so literally the second semester, I knew I had to do something about that. I was like, cool. I saw an opportunity to be a CA, which is a community assistant. It's like an RA pretty much stays in the building with the residents, but normally RAs are much older, much wiser. Like they're, they've been at college for like two years. Somehow my look like really was on time. I applied, I applied for it. I was already taking 12 hours the previous semester. I applied for it. You had to take a, take a course to be a, a CA. It bumped up the hours from, I was taking originally 15 the spring semester, it bumped it up to 15 to 18. It was three hour course. And they're like, yeah, you're a freshman second semester freshman, you know, you barely 19. I only was turning 19 in April. The semester started in January. Why should we, like, why should we take you on? I'm like, why not? You know what I mean? Like, I'm here as an athlete. I've been here fighting so many different temptations. I'm learning another student body. I'm not just in my generation. You know, I know I'm from 22, 23 on down to 18. Um, I'm known around the campus, people, I'm a friendly face. I'll bring value just to the people who want to see me in my room that can come to my door, like easy, like I was just selling myself. And uh, they really was like, well, damn, honestly, we just need to make sure that you're actually responsible enough to be on call. And I was like, whoa, on call, what does that mean? You get a phone two nights a week. Mm. If anything happens, you got to show up. I had all the master keys, somebody get locked out, some people was getting locked out. Fortunately, I was in the building with, you know, some sophomores, juniors, so second, third year college people, which was good for me. And so I took that responsibility on so I could move over to the other side of campus so I wouldn't have those mm -hmm. uh, temptations. I was still there. I knew where to go, but I, I had to get out of there. And at that time, you know, I learned a whole heap, but I really wasn't going, I wasn't going where I wanted to with that. And it was good. I had a free room, you know, but they was paying me. So food and stuff like that was easy to get. And, you know, we like to eat from there. I ended up tripping and falling over some shit metaphorically because I was like, this is not where I need to be. Mm. I was like, I got to get out of here. And this was a school in another state. And I had some other personal stuff going on at the time. So I was like, I really just want to get back to that. I was going back and forth from school to home. At first, the first semester, my mom was picking me up. Second semester, I ended up getting a car. So I was like, man, I get to slam it all the way home. And it was crazy because I was I was driving. A, um, you ever seen a, a Pontiac Firebird? Mm -hmm. I was driving it with yeah. the T-top. I was like, man, 
I didn't see Ronnie Coleman hop out of something little. You know what I'm saying? Like I, no, I knew about those people, mm-hmm. but I knew about them like I knew about Kobe and I knew about LeBron. I was like, okay, these they they can do that because they're special. So I was like, well, I can only live as close as like them. Like I was saying, having that routine in high school, I wanted to get up early, wanted to get to school, have my gym class. Mm-hmm. After school, I had track and field, or practice, I mean, had practice, study, et cetera. So I ain't here in college, I was like, well, yeah, I want, I want to be able to transport myself where I need to go. And these, I got these personal things that I really need to be able to handle without saying, mom, can you come pick me up? You know what I'm saying? I'm 18 at the time. Which is crazy for an eighteen year old. Like you driving across country to your crib, like from one place to another. What are you doing? What you doing, boy? So I was like, come on, let me just transfer myself. So I had got the stuff together. And I always been like this. I always just kind of been one foot ahead of myself. So I went ahead and got the papers together and stuff like that. Before I told my mom, I went ahead and met with the University of Memphis track and field coach. Had pretty much researched who I needed to talk to. Sent him all my times and stuff like that. And he was impressed. He was like, okay, cool. If you're willing to work, we can take you on, but you got to be a walk-on. And I'm like, man, I really want a scholarship. What you mean, walk-on? Like, I want a scholarship. You got to earn those, though, big boy. I'm like, cool. All right. My my coach, dude, he's like, your height, maybe weighing like 130 or something. Like, this dude was big. I was like, why are you so big? I thought this was track. I could never, when I met him, I was like, dude, wow. And that right there in my head was like, maybe he was, on the road to be a running Coleman one day. Like, mm. you know, one, I just had that thought. But then I asked him what he was doing. He's like, well, I used to be a thrower. I played football. And then I got into bodybuilding. I was like, oh, cool. You know, he said that. And I was like, that's kind of awesome. Like, I, I see I, I see that in the magazine all the time. Anyway, fast forwarding. I'm at the U of M. I'm running track. I'm doing my thing. It's all good. Definitely still dealing with the with the personal stuff, but it's still all good because I'm there now, so it's not as stressful. I'm dealing with those relationships with friends, with family, etc. Um, I'm not really working a job because I'm in college. So it's like the funny thing about college in America, they give you all this money to go to college and shit. But then when you get out, they're like, hey, give me that shit back mm. ASAP. Or, you know, and over here, what do y'all call it? What is it? Um, it comes it's out a loan. Not a, it's a loan in America. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, y'all, it's, the hex debt. We call it hex debt. Yeah, hex debt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't even know about that. Yeah. When I found out about that, it's was, a lot different in the U.S. Yeah, than it is. it's a lot yeah. different. It's unfair. You guys have like you know, uh, most people would refer to them as unfair interest rates on, on college loan yeah. debt. Whereas we have, I mean, we don't even have to start paying it back until we start earning a certain amount of money. Exactly, and then the interest rate is super, super low as well. Right. So it is, you know, it's it's almost like, um, well, to an extent, it's government funded tertiary education, and it should be. Yeah, and it's like I said, the standardized test is for people to be institutionalized yeah. because once we do that to you and you see that yeah. you must now go into these box in this mm. cubicle mm-hmm. and work like a mouse until you can pay all that stuff back that we gave you 100%. you know you, yeah. this is happening to 19 year olds man mm. you're 19 you know mm. and you go to a college that I went to that don't even really cost that much you know and you get these refund checks, you're like, man, I'm getting like, you get these $2,000 refund check $3,000 you're like, oh what am I doing with that well for me it was different I was like, all right, I'm gonna take this shit and pay my whole rent, like my whole year rent. Mm. I'm gonna do that shit. People thought I was crazy. I was like, nah, bro, because I know I need to be right here. Because if I don't be right here, I'm gonna be at home doing some shit I don't need to do. So I'm gonna be right here. I'm gonna pay it up. So I ain't gotta worry about it. I'm gonna pay it. I paid it up. I felt so good because when the summer came, 
I was able to do my thing mm. in the crib that I was living at. So when I say that, I was able to grind it out like crazy. Cause I was, I used to be a lifeguard, man. I've been a lifeguard certified since I was 15. And uh, I used to be a competitive swimmer. And I loved in the summer just to swim. Like every summer, I'm like, hey, track season over. Track and pool do not go together. You know, mm. my coaches were, we would never be able, we was never allowed to hit the pool. Mm. Any track meet I ever went to and the hotel had a pool, no swimming. What? Damn, what you mean, bro? <laughs> we went to Virginia Beach, no, no beach. And what you mean? Can't go to the beach? Like, come on, bro. Anyway, fast forward, summertime here. I'm lifeguarding. So I was working at two pools. I was working at the YMCA, which was literally in my backyard, bro. Like, I was walking down the stairs and I had the keys to the YMCA. I was walking down my stairs in my apartment and I would just jump the gate and I'm there. Like I'm in the back of the YMCA. It's crazy. And I had the keys and downstairs was a gym in the YMCA. And I had been given this program from my coaches. Like you're willing to work hard. You're going to be a walk on. Cool. I had already done a year. This was so this is my off season programming. I'm doing it. I'm in the bottom of the basement hitting the weights and shit. Cause it's like, I would just love the sound of that clink clink. Mm. And I had grown to, to understand that that meant work. <laughs> I don't know how as a kid you make that connection, but I guess it's just through seeing your community and everybody that's making noise is working. Like, mm. And then everybody who's not making noise, like they could be working, but they, they got washed in. <laughs> but the noise I was hearing, I was like, okay, I like that. So I'm at the pool. I'm, I'm doing my lifeguard shifts. I'm working at the um, recreational center of the University of Memphis. I'm doing my thing. Everything's all good. And the personal shit, like, got in the way. Again, I'm like, man, causing me to lose my job, you know, at the University of Memphis. I'm like, it's not cool. I'm losing my job and shit. I got big responsibilities. Like, she believed in me. Like, the place, I was, the manager that I was at, the YMCA, she gave me the keys, man. You can do, you got the basketball gym. You got the pool, you got the weight room, your apartment is literally a gate away. What are you doing? Like, get your shit together, brother. Like, it was so many things. But again, like I said, the temptations around me, I was just like, well, damn, I got my own car. I'm on my, in my own apartment. I'm 19, but it'll be 20. You know, it's the summer. What am I meant to do? Oh, house party. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I'm doing that, though. Like, I'm doing that because that's what you do in college, man. Like, you invite people over. You want to kick it. You want to catch it with your homie. You're like, bro, it's the weekend. What y'all doing? Fuck what you mean? It's the weekend. My guy, it's the summer. Every other weekend, you know? So mm -hmm. that was pretty much what was going on. It, it, it just started bleeding into my athletic life. And I didn't like that because when I came back, I was so out of shape, bro. I was like, man, what happened to the 18-year-old fresh? Like, baby fresh. And I was like, he was, like, ready. So fast, so explosive. Like now, I'm like, I didn't gain like four or five kilos. And my coach is so funny. She goes, and I had a girl coach this the next season. She looks at me. She goes, um, you're looking kind of thick back there. I'm like, <laughs> can you please step step on the scale? And at the time, I was weighing, you know, originally one sixty two ish. You know, I come back like one sixty seven. That's big for a sprinter. You know, I'm almost tapping the scale at 170. So she was like, yeah, we got to change. And, and I did triple jump. So she's like, you can't jump if you weigh in this much. So I was like, damn, what we, what we got to do? And so she took me to, um, and most of us of the track team, took us to a nutrition meeting. So we had met with a nutritionist. And so I'm 20 years old meeting with a nutritionist. And I'm like, damn. And the funny thing about it is these, these things that I'm telling you, like, 
it's in our contract anyway as an athlete that you will abide by whatever like the coaches are sanctioning for you guys. So you gotta show up for the meetings, you gotta watch film, you got if they if they organize nutritionists, you gotta go like you gotta go study hard, you gotta log all these things. So with that happening to me as an adolescent, I was learning so much in my in my early twenties. I was like, oh damn, this is real structure. But I said I wanted this. I spoke it. I said I wanted to be a pro athlete. This is as close as I can get. Being here on this college team because I didn't have the talent to go pro as a teen or, you know, get that that endorsement deal from Brooks or Adidas or whatever because I didn't I just wasn't doing it like that. And for those who was, I'm like, dude, I was around dudes that were literally running 47s, man, like and 40, 47, 46. You move and you 18 years old, you moving, man. So that was the kind of caliber of athletes I was around. Um, a handful of those athletes right now are pros. Like they they getting ready for the Olympics right now. So I'll be on my Instagram and it's crazy because people think I don't know what people think, but when they see my Instagram, they're like, Oh, this dude like bodybuilding. And I've been trying to like relate with people on another level at the at just like athlete also in lifestyle because of how I grew up and what I'm looking at on my Instagram, like bro, I'm seeing people that's I got friends that are stylists. I got friends that they pro athletes. I got friends that are chefs. Like I'm looking, I got friends that are pharmacists. I'm looking at this stuff on my Instagram though. I'm like, dude, my Instagram is not just fitness. It's like life. It's like everything you come across mm. in your week as a human. Like you gotta go to the pharmacist, you know? <laughs> you gotta go to the restaurant. Like you, you gotta go and do all these individual things. And I know people that's actually out here doing that. And I have these conversations in the DMs with them. Like I'll be sliding the DMs. Like all my friends are back in America. So I'm like, bro, I can't believe you over here doing this. Like you look, you just like the fastest time in the world almost. Oh yeah, man. Like, thank you. Appreciate it. But meanwhile, I'm over here like one more rep. Like mm. gotta get the chest right. Anyway, um, learning all that from that nutrition set me up like for life. Honestly, like my sure. thought process was changing a lot. Mm. So that meeting just really stood out to me because I was like, Oh, you mean to tell me if I'm eating like asparagus, bananas, lean meat, I'm going to get faster. Like, Whole food sources of carbohydrates, stuff that's really gonna feed me like not eating pieces and lollies and shit. Cause that's what I was doing. Yeah, that's what most performance based athletes do, man. Yeah, I, was I think back to like my my basketball career, same thing. You know, you you, you just and you would do that. You would have done the same with yeah, footy but as even, well. Like even, just the, but even in recent times, when we've gone to like Port Power and done stuff there at the yeah, Port Elite Footy Club, yeah, is is you yeah. go in there and then they've got their kitchen yeah. and on the wall they had <laughs> selections they could choose from McDonald's, oh, like yeah. if you, and McDonald's and, and Subway and stuff. And like if you're ordering from here, order these ones. Yeah, it's like don't <laughs> don't order the cookies from Subway. Yeah. Yeah. Right, <laughs> just like shit right. like that. Like there's just a complete uh, uh, knowledge gap. When it comes but to even nutrition, like, but it's for, even that way where football is getting yeah. paid five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, exactly. And they they can't eat a fucking salad. Don't even know how to eat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just because that you know, and you would have seen it through uh, your exposure to to you know very high level track and field athletics. Mm. Is some people are just so genetically oh, gifted. Oh, dude, and that was a crazy that thing. They can they can you can do that. They can fuel the vehicle with whatever with the fuck whatever they want, is gonna and go, the genetics man. are just going to make up for and it. That's, that's the issue, that, and that was the main issue, honestly. But it's, it's never good when you see guys like Usain Bolt and you hear about him eating KFC and then you hear oh, about yeah. Mike, Michael Phelps eating 12,000 calories. Right. and they're doing that. Just, yeah, the best in their field, but they're getting away with that kind of stuff. But I got one for you. Derrick Rose mm. went to the University of Memphis. I was there. He was eating Skittles. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. Joey Dorsey. 
All of them, like, <laughs> dudes was like, I'm telling you, I can't make this shit up. Like, I'm sitting here yeah. around pro caliber athletes before they even made it to where they was going. I'm like, this is why we do what we do, because it's the culture. Like, you know, everybody, every athlete, I don't care, black, white, Russian, whatever, like, that's what we do. We like, mm. we want to eat whatever, like, it's cool to eat Skittles and shit. Like, I got the genetics to do it. Yeah. But then once I started seeing the results from all the, the, the better side of nutrition, I was like, mm. oh, shit, wait a minute, this is enhancing my capabilities. Yeah. Like, let's keep going. And then I found out it was so expensive to do that shit. And then also, my distractions came back. The temptation was always there, but I was like kind of trying to like wear my blinders and shit. Mm. And the temptation for me is has always been um, entertainment. So with and you probably, if you follow my Instagram, you know I love to entertain my audience. And so for me, I was always researching like castings. Um, when people was coming into town, like when we was gonna be putting on workshops. So I go to like um, stand up workshops and shit to where like you do improvision, impro- improvise and shit. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I like that type of stuff. Like I watch TV and you know, they, they had that show, um, Whose Line Is It Anyway? I mm-hmm. love that shit. So I grew up watching, watching that and like Friends and like Sex in the City and all that shit. And I was like taking notes and all of this. And the reason why I was taking notes is because I was like, well, in life, and I'm in any room, I'm taking notes on whoever the leader in that room is so I can later on use it in life. Same thing when I see films. I was like, all right, cool. How did they do that? They didn't break the third wall, et cetera. Like, oh, how? They're, how am I believe? Why do I believe that this is real? Like, so I started to do, that was always the distraction for me. So when I was in college, leading up to my third year, my junior year, season was going really good. Um, I started jumping like 22, so like almost seven meters and shit. I'm triple jumping like 1350, 1360, 76, 1376, 40, kissing 14. So like in feet, that's like 47 feet, 48 feet. And I'm looking at the paper, and I'm like, whoa, the world record is like 58 feet. I'm like, hold on, what the fuck? What do I gotta do? How do I get, fit? how is this even humanly possible? Then I'm looking at my training partner. I tried to find like 6'4". He's jumping 51s, 52s. So I had to get real with myself and it kind of took me back to when my coach was like, bro, you too short. For basketball, yeah. You ain't never going to be a basketball player. Mm -hmm. I said, cool. I am too short. I'm never going to be jumping 58 in a triple jump. Like, I started this too late. I just be real with myself. I'm like, dude, I just only started triple jumping four years ago. Like, Mm -hmm. what the hell? Who do I think I am? You know what I'm saying? So... From there, I was like, cool, fuck it. Let's see what this entertainment business is about. You know what I'm saying? So I started going to casting calls and I started getting in trouble for it by my, my track code because he was seeing on the news and shit. He's like, oh, so you went to the MTV thing? Like, I'm like, how y'all know that? I'm in a training room. They're like, yeah, it's all over the news. So that's why you miss treatment. So I was doing shit like that. And I was like, man, I can't be missing treatment because I want to go to a casting call. Yeah, what kind of discipline is that? What kind of example is that to the freshman that's coming in? Like, and that was the problem. And I didn't understand that at the time, you know. They, and they was upset about that, so I had to make a decision. And um, it was it's so funny that I think about this now because it was they was leaving for like a important track meet, and I was like just invited to go to L.A. for another casting call. I made it through, and I was like, oh man, this is something I really want. Do I really, am I really going to be a track and field pro athlete? Nope. In my head. And at the time, I worked for Enterprise. Y'all heard it. Yeah. Enterprise in Australia. Yeah. Carbonal. It's like thrifty. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. working for them. I'm driving a shuttle. 
I'm a shuttle bus driver. I've, I've worn many hats in my life. And I'm driving this shuttle bus. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I'm finna go to LA. I'm at the airport all the time. It's a sign, man. Like, I'm dropping people off at the airport. I'm picking people up from the airport. I'm getting this call saying, hey, you've been invited to this casting call in LA. We're booking the ticket, putting you in a hotel. Oh, yeah, I'm there. Like, in a heartbeat. Of course, I had to make some calls to my mentors. They didn't know that were my mentors, and I'm on the phone with them. And it's funny how people will support you when you're so raw about what you're doing, because mm-hmm. they knew. I was like, "Hold on, dude. You mean you're not going? Like you're not gonna do the track and field thing?" I'm like, "Yeah, but I don't even know what I'm gonna do when I get to LA. They only paying for this and that. How I'm gonna eat? You feel me? Like I got this enterprise thing, and they're like it's crazy. That's like here you go. I'm like what? Thanks. We want you to do good. I'm like, all right, cool. Went there. I wasn't even I wasn't even good, man. It was crazy. Like I was terrible. I didn't know what to do. And the lights was on. It was all like, do this, do that, read that. I'm like, damn, I'm in the heat of the moment. I'm only like 20, 21 now. Whatever. Come back home. Never heard from them ever again. And it probably was a really good thing though, because I didn't I probably didn't need to be on the real world MTV. All kinds of shit goes on on that show. So for me, I was like, well, back to work. I'm lifeguarding again. This is what's a lifeguard for the city of Memphis. Became a certified lifeguard instructor, started teaching that. Became a water safety instructor, started teaching swimming. I had a passion for the water. It always made me better when I got injured in track. So when I was like getting minor injuries, I'd just go do pool workouts. They'd put me in the pool. I'd be on the treadmill. I'm like, the cool is low impact. So I was learning a lot of stuff in those yin and yang, like trying back and forth, back and forth. I was learning so much thing, so many things. And um, to fast forward through all of that, man, I ended up being a trailer mechanic out of all of that. Like I was getting my degree, thought I was going to be an exercise scientist. I was studying, I was dropping out of school so I can go to New York and go to LA, do these casting calls, doing all these photo shoots. And I was learning so much because I was in so many rooms and people just telling me, no, telling me I'm, you too big. You ain't going to never be a fashion model. I'm like, bro, how am I too big? I'm way, I weigh 160. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? What What is that in kilos? 75-ish like, yeah, kilos? Yeah, I'm like, I'm a twig, bro. And then you look at the Dutch and Cabana, Gucci models. Like, oh, y'all dudes are weighing like 55 kilos. <laughs> y'all literally starving us. I can't. I can't starve myself. Like, even if I try, I just, I'm not built that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? My genetics just not, it won't allow me. And it's weird because... When I was young, I always thought to myself, when is this ever going to fill out? You know what I mean? Because I was, when I was toddler, and it was like every toddler, you know, pretty pudgy. <laughs> pudgy all the way up to like seven years old, eight years old. Then from there, something happened. Everything stretched out, but I had abs and biceps and shit. And I was like, what am I going to do with this stuff? You know, fast forwarding through that work, learning all that stuff, not not going back to college, you know, leaving home, becoming a trailer mechanic and busting my ass is something that I hated doing. I was like, why am I even doing this? I loved being a lifeguard. Why did I stop doing that? Well, I stopped doing it because I was like, I'm out here in the sun every day. I'm getting tired of fucking up my workouts. It was fucking up my workouts. And I worked at like the best gym in, in, in the city of Memphis. It's called Lifetime Fitness. 24-7, jacuzzis, saunas, cafe, um, like good cafe. I even, when I go, every time I go back home, I go there. And uh, you can massage whatever you want, it's there, right? So I was like, this is cool, but every time I'm either getting off of work, I'm too tired to really try. And I'm taking five scoops of pre-workout, like, come on. I can't even train right. So I had to stop. And then I became the mechanic. 
And uh, it was funny because the guy who I was working with, we went to the same college. My first year of college, I did not know that. And so he was pretty lenient about certain things because he was in the gym too. So we would have the gym conversation a lot. And he wanted to learn about cutting and bulking. And like. And at the time, I was just like, bro, I'm, I just look like this because my genetics, like I'm still in learning phases. So all I know is how to make you faster. And that was my hustle. My, the side hustle was I would put on speed camps and I'd mm. get guys who wanted to get their 40 time down so they could walk on into the football team. I'd be doing cone to cone drills, hill drills. Um, I, I was driving, I'm like, I'm like, um, I can't even say his name, K-Dot. I'm driving my mommy's minivan around Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> Literally, man, I got a minivan full of dumbbells and bands and shit. It was so funny, man, but the the ground was real. And I, I appreciate, I still appreciate that to this day because I, I didn't have no PT, sir. It's different in America. Like, mm. you got to go to college, bro. You got to take another course. Like, you got to do all this stuff and it's corporate as fuck. So if you're if you a PT in America, you're like the customer's not paying you. And that was a big turnoff for me. Like you're getting paid by the facility, right? Mm-hmm. They they paying you, they paying you an hourly wage and they're taking a percent. And I'm like, man, hold on. And where I'm from, being from Memphis, Tennessee, I'm like, hold on, what you mean? You taking a cut? Like, mm. so we on the block and I'm you hustling me? Like, what the hell? I work oh, okay, yeah. cool. Like this is not going to work for me. I need my own thing popping. Where can I do that? How can I do that? Very, uh, very similar. Um, in one of the very first episodes of the Massive Joe Show, episode two, I did an interview with Mike Rashid and Sean Torbati, and Mike was saying exactly the same thing. When he got into training, he was working at, at Gold's Gyms and you know, he was training, he was doing all the work. Right. And then he was getting like a percentage right. of the revenue he was bringing in. He was like, man, this is. I think like when I first started PT back at, it was it used to be Zest. This is before Good Life took over. But Zest, yeah. when I was 18, my first job out of the Institute of Fitness. And the, they used to have the club trainer position and you used to yeah. go and do yeah. half hour sessions mm. for people that had joined up. So you used to try and sell a triple pack for 99 bucks. Mm. So you'd sell that and you'd do a session it's like, for 33 bucks for half hour. That's sweet. I got $11 out of that. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, and that's where I was <laughs> like bringing up people with their birthdays and people that hadn't been in the club for the 60 days and people that right. knew and I'm bringing up and getting them in doing that. And I'm like, mm. I'm doing all this fucking work for $11. Mm. Yeah, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it was very unfair. It was very unfair, but uh, that's life, you know, and I had to learn that, and mm. it humbled me in a lot mm. of different ways. So from there, I was like, yeah, whatever, I'm going to go work at Sprint. And, you know, I was like, doing so many things. I was telling, selling phones, bro, and I didn't even like that. Mm. It's like, man, I'm having a, how do you sell this thing that everybody has? Like, so many phone companies, how do you do that? And how do I prove to my boss that I'm the best mechanic in here so y'all can, like, I don't know, give me a raise because I'm trying to do cum prep and shit. I was trying to do like one of my first shows, bro. It was crazy. Mm. And I'm in there. And it's funny because I'll, I'll, I'll be saying OVO. And if you're a Drake friend, you know that's um, October's very own. Mm-hmm. And I say that because a lot, like October been always my season, man. Mm-hmm. I get goosebumps when I say that. Because from a little boy, October, me and my brother be like, oh, it's the autumn, it's fall, basketball season. I just thought, like, we ready, right? Football season, we ready. Um, when I started competing in October for bodybuilding, even in Memphis, my first show was the Dexter Jackson Classic. And it was in October. I got second place as a novice. Terrible prep, though. Worst prep ever. I thought I was going to die, man. <laughs> as, as everyone's first prep is. <laughs> Chicken and rice. Chicken and rice, bro. Yeah. Like, what? What was that? Was that first show? Did you compete in physique or bodybuilding? Uh, physique. Physique. Yeah. You know, I was so amped, bro. Because mm. it was... Uh, 
second to first show because the one before that I missed mm. due to some person, some more personal issues. It's like it's funny, man. Everybody got them, you know. Everybody be like, man, my life is in my bro. Everybody got issues. Mm. Chill, you just deal with that shit. And uh, yeah, I missed that first show. And you just seen me. I was like a sad dog with my tail tucked between my legs. But it was great that I missed that shit because I didn't know what the hell I was doing then. And then fast forward to that next year. Still didn't know what the hell I was doing, but still had had a little bit more time and experience, a little work I put into yeah. it, you know, kind of crafted some stuff up on the low. It was good. I had a little team. It was good. I was a part of that. So I felt good about that. I had been through two coaches and I felt like I was doing something because in the community, I was like, man, you got to find the, the right coach that fit you. I say, blah. Mm. And then from there, you too big. So I've always been hearing that shit. You too big. What the fuck? What you mean I'm too big, bro? I just did like this crazy prep for like four weeks where I ate chicken and rice and mm. I did fasted cardio and I sweated and I took this fat burner and all this other stuff and I'm at work so I can pay these registration fees and y'all don't even understand I'm about to die trying to do this. Like I'm working with heavy machinery, man. It's crazy. And I was trying to finish my degree. I can't, I went back into school so I was like, I gotta do it because I had something else that I needed to get done. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't because that one was like, it was an obstacle. And uh, I said this the other day. I can't remember if I posted. I might have just was talking. And I said, in life, you just really got to bust through that shit every time with your best effort. Because you never know what kind of obstacle you're going to come through that needs that effort. You know, it needs you to press extra hard. It's like that extra rep or when you up the weight or you're doing a drop set. You got to, and you get to that wall. If you're being timid and shit, you ain't gonna never get through that wall. Mm-hmm. So I always just believe that. And so I was um, going back to school and I just was like, man, I gotta get this shit done. I wanna compete, you know, all this stuff. And I was just burning it so hard. But I was young, I was 23. I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, I'm like, whatever, cool. Let's, let's hit this. And then I met this beautiful young lady, you know, on Instagram. I'm like, man, what? What's going on, man? I'm trying to focus. All these freaking distractions. What's going on? Just, I thought I wanted to do com- competitions and I got a job. It's all good. Like, I'm doing my thing. I'm just eating, training, working. Like, just happy, fine. Live my boring chicken and rice and broccoli life. Like, I was doing, I'm watching YouTube clips and I'm like learning how to do drop sets, supersets, giant sets because I come from a performance background. So I was doing like, RDLs and hang cleans and Olympic sets and mm. you know and I learned a lot because I always ask questions. I would never forget my first trainer. His name was Josh. He was crazy as a road lizard. Coming to gym, screaming at us, always put us on a fucking timer. I'm like man, what the fuck? Dude, we just kind of done running sprints worth at least two k. You know what I'm saying? Like you go and do two thousand kilometers. Experience. Tell me how you feel. You want to come in the weight room and do Olympic sets? No, nah, I ain't trying to do no front squat, bro. Trying to do no deadlift. I'm not trying to learn that, but he made us. You know, he put the books in front of us, and he knew as student athletes, and they always broke that down. You a student first. Mm. It's always said that with me because I'm a student wherever I go. I'm a student, and I always think about that. So I was busting all that down hard. I was like, cool. I gotta get the end result because if I really want to get to Australia and out of this other stuff that's going on, like this bodybuilding stuff is cool, but I don't even know if it's for me. This trailer mechanic stuff is cool, but I don't know if it's for me. Lifeguarding is cool. Is it for me? It's happening for me. Like all that stuff that was, ha- I used to think, man, why is it happening to me? It was all happening for me. Mm-hmm. It, was start- it was shaping up where I was coming, where I am now. So that whole journey of learning and um, properly planning, and I say this thing is a, uh, 
properly planning prevents piss poor performance. So there's the six P's. And if you prepare, you good to go. Like, and my coach always had this uh, slogan on the track. It said, um, success favors the well-prepared. So I will never forget like all this preparedness and shit. It's like, oh, okay, cool. If you really prep. And I started thinking about this, like actually now, like three, four years ago, I was starting to think like all this prep, like contest prep, if you really do it properly, there's no reason why at the end of the day, when you get out there stage, whatever place you get, there's no reason why you should be really waiting on immediate feedback. Because if you know what the plan was and you deviated from that motherfucker, that's where the ball dropped. That's the issue. Mm. Not, oh, the light wasn't good. Oh, I didn't get a solid pump. Oh, you know, I slipped out the block. Oh, my shoot. Like, nah, bro. No has deviated from the plan, and you know that. And I've been there before. I deviated from some plans. I've been like, man, damn, that was a reason. And everybody in my life, though, has been really raw with me. Like, mm. I never really got anything sugar-coated. It's always been like, yeah, bro, you too short. Yeah, bro, you too slow. Yeah, bro, you're not working hard enough. Like, all right, cool. Let's do it. And I like that because it, it, it makes you a better person. It builds champions. And um, having the resiliency to push through, like I said, any obstacle, I push through all those obstacles. The universe gave me what I had always been asking for from a young man because I grew up in a single parent home. I always saw my mom by herself doing work for me and my older brother to have what, what we basically had, you know, mm. food, clothes, shoes and shit. And I'm like, well, everybody else, not literally, not everybody else, because in the South, in the black community, most people are single and they had a split situations. But my grandparents, they had been married for like 45, 50 years when I met them. I'm like, man, <laughs> what y'all doing? How y'all do this shit? Like, cool, it was so interesting to me. So I was always, in my head was like, well, if I, if I ever had anything that would supersede like money, fame, you know, all that stuff people want in their life, it would be a companion, you know, someone to truly share who I am with. And I always said that. And, you know, we go through the, the motions of life. You go through that. And the best thing happened to me, um, 2014, April, best thing happened. I was like, oh, yeah, wow, cool. Who's this person? It's a human being, you know? Oh, all the way on the other side of the world. Cool. How do we make this work? And it was really annoying because I was like tied between all these different people that I was being, the athlete, the entertainer, all this stuff, the model. And then I got this beautiful person. And I'm like, well, I really want to connect with this because this is real. Like, this is what's tangible. Mm. All that other shit is like pipeline as fuck. And without this, I feel like I'm not really going to be complete. Like, why do all this? Who are you going to share this shit with? You know, it's like people have kids because they want to share that legacy. They want to share. They want to keep breeding. They want to keep not breeding, but they want to, they want that bloodline to keep going. They want to share the culture, they want to keep it going. So for me, that's what I wanted. I didn't have that as a little kid. I'm like, well, I don't even know where my dad is at. You know what I'm saying? What is he doing? But I did end up meeting him about five years ago. It was similar. It was funny because I met him, I think, after I met her. It was funny. Like I'm like, all these, these new people coming into my life and shit, yeah. you know? And it was a cool thing because I was getting able to travel. So I drove down to Dallas to see my dad and shit. Went to the UK to see my girl. I was like, oh, this is cool. But she came to me first. It was, it was crazy. I was like, whoa, she's brave. She came to Memphis from the UK. What's going on, Mike? You know? <laughs> she's like, I'm not from the UK. I'm like, what? I'm Australian. Oh, shit. <laughs> so this is not going to work. <laughs> like, Next. And I'm like, no, this is crazy because she's ride or die, bro. She rode 
She, we drove to Nashville. We drove to Knoxville. Nashville, like two and a half hours from Memphis. I ain't have no AC. And this time I'm driving a Mustang. No AC, bro. It's summer. It's like it's like thirty degrees. I'm like, how would any other chick would be fuming? She was loving it. You know, I'm like, what? And then she told me, she's like, I'm with you, so it's all good. Like, we kicking it. I'm like, no one's ever said that shit. That's not my homie. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, no girl is saying that. Most girls need, like, extra shit, like, all this extra stuff. She's like, no, I'm good. I'm like, cool. And that was the very beginning to what I, where I'm at now, so I had to take a pause, man. I was like, you know what? Entertainment gonna be there. I need to work on myself anyway. You know what? Bodybuilding gonna be there. I need to gain some more muscle anyway. You know what? This knowledge and stuff like that is going to be there. I am finishing my degree. I was here in Australia actually for the first my first time in Australia. I was here. I was online taking online courses. This is how dedicated I was, man. I'm in Australia. It's beaches and shit around. I'm in the freaking house doing homework because I'm like I gotta get this done. Like I got to because this is what's holding me back. And it was a lot of other stuff um, in the mix with that. You know, all the stuff like. Driving those little cars and shit. I love to go fast. Like, cool. So all that was holding me back, too, because running in with the law, breaking the speed limit, drag race, and all that shit. Gotta go to court. Can't leave. Damn, bro. I'm just trying to go to Australia, you know? Trying to go to the UK. What's going on? It's funny. Ironically, in one of those situations, a person that I had a wreck with was from the UK, man. It's funny. <laughs> like, shit was really, like, coming full circle. We having to send money. And British pounds and shit, like learning how to convert. Like I'm like, why is this all happening to me right now? Like, oh, the universe is doing this. And I always was a person to believe that. I grew up in a spiritual home. Um, had to go to church every Sunday and shit like that. I don't practice, but maybe I should. I, don't know. <laughs> I tell people I pray to me. <laughs> They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I know it sounds weird, but uh, you know, somebody gotta do it. Yeah. So, mm. and the reason why I say that is because I feel like. If you and people say, you know, wake up in the morning, speak it into existence. Like that's what I've been doing. I'm like, bro, people been doing this shit. It's nothing new. Like it's just helping y'all feel like y'all ain't crazy, you mm -hmm. know. But I don't care. My mom used to tell me all the time, if you ain't nobody to talk to, talk to yourself. At least self can almost help self figure it out mm -hmm. if you having that conversation long enough and put the pieces together to where you can actually formulate it in a right way in the conversation and ask someone for the advice or tell them what you're thinking. So that's where I was in my life. All that stuff tied up. I came back to Memphis. I graduated, got my degree. My boss came where I was doing the trailer mechanic work. He came and supported that whole move. I was like, damn, this is dope. Like he didn't have to do that. He supported me when I was like, Hey, I'm going to move. He's like, what you need? I was like, what you mean? We got this. We got the Okay, cool. Thanks, man. Like, why though? Because we really see how passionate you are about this. And I'm like, told them my plan. And the plan was I'm going to move to Australia. I'm going to go to school. I'm going back to school. You know, I'm going to get my PT cert. That's the only way I can work. You know, so I'm doing that. And they was like, dude, you know, already impressed us because you have already researched what you need to be doing to make a living and make a life and where you're going to live and how you're going to put it together. At least allow us to help be a part of that vehicle. And they was. And, I, and like, to this, I was hitting him up today. Like, I was texting him today because he work out and shit. And I was like, bro, I'm just checking on y'all. How y'all doing and shit? And he's telling me about the business. He's like, yeah, man, business is expanding again. And like, when I say trailer mechanic, I'm talking about we put like 18 wheelers and shit. We picking them up on, on uh, air jacks and shit. I'm changing. I used to be the tire dolly guy. So I'm changing tires. I'm changing brakes, ABS and shit. Um, I'm linking up dollies to fucking trailers, bro. Like, I'm on a forklift. 
riding around on a big <laughs> FedEx yard. So it was all FedEx property. And we was, we was um, independent contractors. So I, I knew about the independent contracting. And so FedEx had gave them pretty much some land and a contract to run those trucks through 24-7. And my life was just getting so hectic. I'm like, how am I going to be able to live in? Well, I can't do this stuff, bro. Like, it's like an athlete working a full-time corporate job. It's not possible, right? But this guy was so behind me with all the stuff I was bringing to him. Um, he was like, dude, yeah, what, what you need? This place runs 24-7. So you've proven to me that you are accountable enough to go away and come back and finish some tasks. And I had those type of things come up to where I was like, look, man, um, I've been invited to Denver to like test run some gyms. And I was, I was doing, I was test running some gyms. We was going to build a, and we did, we was building a rock climbing gym. I was a part of a non a nonprofit called One Family. Anyway, I was testing the gyms and this was during, I want to say Thanksgiving or Christmas. And he was like, yeah, you know, it's pretty busy around this time. And like, normally don't let people go, but I'm going to let you go because you seem like really passionate about it. And it's always because I had the passion and I always brought it to him straight to the head. I'm like, yo, Jesse, I'll name drop him. I was like, Jesse. I need to go to Denver, bro. Like, what? Denver? What you mean? I'm like, what do you mean, Denver? Right? I'm like, yeah, cool. Ha, joke's on me. But look, I got this deal going on right now. We're trying to build a gym in Memphis to help the uh, inner city kids or whatever. I'm going to go test these gyms and stuff like that and pretty much give live feedback if we want this. Like, will people in Memphis really respond to this really well? So I had to break it down to him. He was like, totally, bro. I understand, 100%. But... When you get back, what time do you get back? What time your flight in? I was like, man, I land, land back in Memphis at like eight. He's like, cool. Can you come in? Oh, can I come in? Uh, I think it was it, it was the eve of Thanksgiving. Had to be, had to be. I was like, yeah, whatever, cool. I ain't nobody doing nothing here. Dude, I worked that shift. It was crazy, man. Like these trucks is on the road. They slamming it, and every time it's like they come in there, fuck their brakes. Been sliding the tires like quarter of a mile. So it's all flat, ball spots and shit. People running over overpasses. So decapitating basically the top of the trailer. You know what I'm saying? So we in the shop. It's, it's Thanksgiving. That's all you hear. Air guns popping. You know, I'm changing tires and shit. It's like, whatever, cool. At the end of the day, I'm happy. You know, I'm working. I'm grinding. I'm doing my thing. I'm all right. You know, everything is moving in, in, in the motion. Like, what else would I be doing? Like, out drinking. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what my whole battle was at that time not being a collegiate athlete anymore so having the free will to go to the bar with my homies and do whatever I wanted to be then had the decision to go am I getting behind the wheel and shit like that like all that stuff was starting to happen and I was doing that and I was finding myself in these dangerous situations and I didn't like it so I had to change myself and so when I saw the opportunity to move to Australia it was uh, something I had to really just grab onto like I had to like, I had to just figure it out as I went from there. Like I got the first visa and it was only for 12 months. And people was like, well, dude, what are you going to do after the 12 months? I said, I'm going all in, bro. Like, what you mean? What I'm going to do? I was like, you're going to have to come back. Why would you say that to me? You know what I'm saying? Mm. Why are you going to tell me how to come back, bro? Like, screw you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, whatever. I'm going to make it work. End of that 12 months, dude, I was like, okay, all this planning that I've done, what? And you get out of it. How can you make this work? So I figured it out. You know, I was like, cool, I'm going to go pick grapes for 88 days. Because I had read about that some 12 or 15 odd months before. Mm. And if you want to extend your holiday working visa, yeah. go do some real work. Vintage. They love it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm all about yeah. that. 
I'm like, cool. I'm ready for the work. Like, hit me with it. And um, then somebody was like, no, bro, you know, you can get it sponsored. And I was like, really? I was like, yeah, but you got to, like, go through all these different loops and shit. I was like, okay, what are the loops? So I went through them, and I was working at Dairy Mutt's. I was a PT there. And I was like, maybe they'll do it. They didn't want to do it. It's like, cost a lot of money to do that shit. You got to be really important. I don't know, like a stockbroker who's bringing in a quarter of a million every year, like somebody like that. Like, oh, yeah, cool, we'll do it. And then those guys are in Sydney and shit, not Adelaide. So I was like, oh, well, back to the great picking field. Like, cool. At least we got wineries here. You know? And then I got smart somehow. It was an attainable goal. It was timeline based. I was like, fuck, how did you get to this point, bro? And I learned about um, de facto visas. And I learned about partnerships. Like, I always heard partner, like, my partner. I'm like, what? In America, we just like girlfriend, boyfriend. Mm. Over here, like, partners, that's real. Like, you're my partner. We do everything together. Like, and it's on paper, too. But even before it was on paper, like, you're really my partner. Like, this girlfriend, boyfriend shit is some bullshit. If you ask me, <laughs> honestly, honestly, honestly. I never really had those. And when I did, I was like, what is this title? I need, I need something with a little bit more weight. And your partner's like, they ride for you. Like, your partner's real. Whatever you're going through, they see that shit. They feel it. And I was like, damn, this is real. Cool. Let's do it. So when they got that, proved it to the government. That's like, oh, yeah. All right. What do you want to do? I want to get a substantial visa. Cool. Let's do it. I'm still waiting. It's pending. But guess what? I've been here two and a half years now. Mm. Still doing it. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm still keeping tabs. Like, I'll call up my immigration lawyer. I'm like, hey, um, I'm leaving for the WBFF in 10 days. And I need to leave Australia. Can you make it work? Uh yeah, damn, it's so fast. Like she told me this two months ago. I'm like, mm. fuck, I know. And um, she always makes it work though. It's crazy. Like, and I always and I try to get. I'm getting better with it. It's just something new to me, you know. Like, I never, I never used to have to think when I left Memphis about having to get a piece of paper or something that's gonna allow me to come back. Mm. So now having to do all of that, it's still brand new to me. So that's boxes I always have to tick. When I think about traveling, like, oh, snap, let me let them know, because if I don't, it's a big consequence. Like, I'm stuck in America. Like, I can't come back to the place that I love. Like, I love Australia because Australia has allowed me to be who I am on a, in, a, in a larger way than being that nuclear on the block. Mm. Don't nobody know you. They're putting the pressure on you to be cool. Here is like, no, I even knew what to expect. In America, they got so many expectations. You go to New York, you go to L.A., and you go to mm. Miami and shit, and you look like this. Bro, you better be good at something. You better be great. What is she doing? What? You lift weights? Hmm. Yeah, bro, lifting weights is hard, dude. Like, this is a craft. This is magnificent. Like, you know? And once I got to Australia, people was like, bro, you have potential to do this. Like, you can be, like, a pro athlete. And I was like, what you mean? How does that work? In bodybuilding, so I was still learning. Like, I, like I said, I had knew the Ronnie Coleman's, grew up seeing the Phil Heaths and stuff like that in the magazines and the um, Flex Wheeler. Like, it's funny because on my first show ever, might have been, might be my first Worlds actually. I, know, I can't remember. Somebody compared me to Flex. It's mm-hmm. like, man, you look like almost you could be Flex. I'm like, don't say that to me because. And I'm going to say this, and I'm, I'm going to let y'all read between the lines, but my first ever real show was the Dexter Jackson Classic. And, you know, that's NPC, and I, that's where I started. And I always say that, you know, and I know I'm a part of WBFF, and I love it. It's the best of the best, and I want people to know where I started because it always comes back 
in full circle in anything you do in life. And when people see you as a pro, like where I'm at now, they're like, oh man, it's because it's because of this. Like he went to the WBFF. It's like, nah, bro, I started at the bottom, you know? And then even when I came to Australia and I did WFF, mm-hmm. And I did the uh, Asia Pacific Championships, got fourth place, did open bodybuilding. What was I thinking? <laughs> you know, I was just I just really wanted it though. Mm. You know, I was heartbroken. You know, I was like, man, I was crying and shit. It's crazy. People don't they this is real. I was crying. I was like, man, this is some bullshit. And I'm passionate like that. I um I cried over a four by one that we got disqualified in when I was like fourteen. We like set the bro, we set the record. We we had the track on fire. Mm. They DQ'd us. Mm. It's like, oh, I got the baton before the before the exchange zone. I was like, what? Oh, bro, we just so fast. You didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I carried that passion on into where I'm at now. And once I got on that WBFF stage, October 2017, all of the work from going to those casting calls, doing photo shoots, working a trailer mechanic, all that shit. Um, I pledged a fraternity. So all of that hard work. We are here to work, not play dreamer drift. We got hard work to do and plenty of loads to live. That shit would never leave my mind. That's what I think when I'm going through the hardest part of my workout. Plenty of loads to live. Come on. I've been through worse. Let's go. I've seen a lot of shit. You know, I've seen a lot of shit. And I'm like, cool, just keep pushing through. This cannot be the worst. For me, the worst thing is like doing some shit. And I hate to say this, Neve, but doing some shit and getting injured. Yeah. Because that's my biggest fucking fear. Like being the type of athlete I am, I'm, re- I'm like I'm like a tennis ball, bro. He throw me up against a wall, I'm bouncing back. Like it's crazy. It's really crazy. And I've always been that sporty dude. I can almost pick up any sport and run with it type of dude. I'm the dude like you want to put on your basketball team when you run and pick up. I might not shoot no threes and shit, but I'm fast as fuck. You know, I can pass. I can bounce pass. I can do all that shit you need me to do. Just don't depend on me to make. Any Steph Curry moves, all right? Cool, I can dribble. All right, cool. That's, that's always been that. So in October 2017, back to why I say I'm OVO, bringing it full circle, mm-hmm. my very first show I competed in was in October back in Memphis. And then for this WBFF thing to come full circle, I never really thought to myself I could do WBFF, first of all. And um, at the time, this is when people was really big on like getting sponsorships and getting that pro card so they could get sponsorships and shit. Well, I already had them mm-hmm. and I had already been around sponsorship type, I guess, things like, you know, things that are involved with it as a college, college athlete. You know, I learned about, oh, you go to this college, they sponsored by Adidas. You go to this college, they sponsored by Nike. Why? How? What do you have to wear? Why do you have to wear that? All these rules. Okay, cool. It's a contract. Same thing here, you know, so that for me, I couldn't, really see why people want to do that like oh i'm gonna become a pro so i can get paid and i'm like bro you need to be trying to get paid first because this shit is expensive like that's what you need to be doing get that in order and then maybe you can become a pro like do the hard work it takes and then from there because ain't shit gonna change other than you're gonna have a pro in your name and then from there you gotta continue to work hard as fuck to even think Someone's gonna look at you and say, "Okay, he got a great body, but what else is he delivering? Mm. What else is she delivering? How can we make this 
sponsorable, even if that's a word, you know. And so that's what I took and ran with after 2017. I was like, well, the next thing I'm going to do, I'm going to go to the largest stage. Fuck it. You know what I mean? And I was like, so amped. You know, so amped. And everyone that was on the way with me was all like, yeah, we ain't doing it in the world. So I was like, what? Why aren't you doing this shit? What do you mean, bro? Let's do it. Like, that's what I'm used to, though. Like, like my, my boy I was telling you about, I was running 47s and the 400. Like, he was like, yeah, I'm going this. I'm, I'm about to do that. I'm like, yeah, cool, bro. Because them cats running 45, go get them. Like, let's do it. And I knew about Wills, you know what I'm saying? So, Wills felt like day. I knew about him ages ago, and I wanted that. I wanted to be as close as, to that as possible. So, I was like, I'm going. And he didn't show. I was like, man, he ain't there. That's all good. The party's still going to go on. Didn't do my best. Got seventh. Top 10 in the world. Like, what can you say? First appearance at the WBFF World Stage. It was crazy. It was a struggle. It was insane. But you know what? I'm from a I'm from a tribe, man. Like, we make the worst situations look great. And then on the other end of it, when we come out of those worst situations, it's all good because it happened to us. Like, that's the bulk of what builds your characters. Like, bam. You know, it's like this whole nuclear Adam or some shit being put together piece by piece that no, a lot of people don't want to deal with. They get complacent and they just want to do these things day by day. And I'm like, well, I want to go through the struggle, went through the struggle, had to reset and revisit the goals and look at what I was doing as an athlete. And I was like, you know, I know, you know what? I got to get this shit popping some more. Like, it's never enough. Like, I know that sounds crazy. Like, mm. it's like I'm fainting for it, like, to be more. Like, give me more and more and more. I'm only going to be in my 20s one time. So, how can we maximize this shit with this capability right now? So, I was, like, getting some more mentors. Like, yo, I'm always about that. Like, get the mentors. Where they at? And then I found some great mentors. You know what I mean? And now I'm with them and I'm learning so much. And I've been my, my like my eyes have been open to different areas of potential and opportunities. And to fast forward to August 2019, reappearing at Worlds, mm. placing fourth place in the world. Well, you, you actually you, you skipped over something, man. Because 2018 you did Worlds. You're right. <laughs> 2018 I did Worlds. He just, he just wins an Australian title. No big deal. We're not even talking about that. We're going to dive. We're going to dive into that real quick. Because <laughs> that was, that was really, um, you know, it's probably, I probably skipped it unconsciously. Yeah, I can tell that. The shit that was brewing in that pot shouldn't have been in that pot. Mm. You know, I shouldn't have been doing what I was doing. Like, mm. It's crazy. I'm like, man, yeah, whatever. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And it's funny because the community, oh, so sick to see how bodybuilding is. Like, some people want you to do great. And then there's that other crowd. Mm -hmm. And they're like, mm-hmm. Why? Don't do me like that. Why don't be a part of that crowd? Elite athletes want to run with the best no matter what, mm -hmm. I'm going to try to make you better because I'm the best. And I need you to be on your best game when I beat you. You know what I'm saying? Like the type of shit. But when I came here, I wasn't seeing that. I was like, whoa, mm -hmm. why are you doing it to me? That's, so, what, that's, that's what we call the tall poppy syndrome. Yes, I heard the tall mm. poppy syndrome out of Australian's mouth before. Mm. So I'm, I'm still getting, I'm getting accustomed to hearing it. We call it the crab bucket city. Mm -hmm. you know, the crab trying to get out of the bucket. They all pulling each other down type mm. shit. And um, yeah, so I was there. I was massive, bro. <laughs> I was looking great. 
feel great. The pumps I was getting was insane. I'm like, I'm about to go top five. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) feeling myself. Get out there. And when I saw what I looked like, though, like when I actually saw the photos coming on my phone, I knew I was like, oh, fuck, this is terrible in my head. Nobody heard me say that shit, Mm. though. No, and you know how the crowd goes. Oh man, you look great. Oh, whatever. Yeah, cool. <laughs> that shit don't work on me. Mm. Nah, bro, I look bad. And I was saying that shit to myself, to myself. And in between the show, I was at the um, I was at the bar eating. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just gonna eat, man. I came here and I done fucked this whole thing up. You feel me? Like I, mm. I already fucked it up. Mm. And um, that's one of my, one of my biggest things in life is. Don't be afraid to all the way fail and learn from that shit. Because when it's time to pick the pieces up and you didn't run into the failure, mm. you're not going to know where to put the pieces. Like mm-hmm. You're not going to understand how to re-put, like, how to put that shit back together. It's a puzzle. So for me, I was like, yeah, cool. Give me the bacon. Give me the chips. Give me the eggs. Give me the whatever. Give me the pancake. Whatever. Yeah, cool. Give me that. Did my night show. I already pretty much knew what the outcome was. I saw that shit. I'm like, yeah, definitely ain't getting top five. Mm. Maybe we'll squeeze in the 10. And I, I squeezed seventh. And I squeezed it. And I was like, you know what? I can't even be mad at this because look at the people around you. They look great, bro. Like, you're massive compared to everyone. And, like, even one of the judges was telling me, you're either going to up your physique and be a muscle model mm-hmm. or you're going to dumb that shit down, right? I'm like, mm, all right, cool, whatever. I look good <laughs> in my head. And um, that was an ongoing conversation. It was about, I lost so much sleep, bro. I was like, oh man, I've worked so hard to get this body. Mm. But then I was like, do I like it? Am I, can I do what I like to do? I, I like to tumble and shit. I like to swim. I like, like fucking hang off of shit and be explosive. Like at any given time, I can't do that shit. Mm. It was fucking too big. I was too unco. And I'm like, whoa, I got coordination always. I never not had that shit. So when I missed, when I started missing that, and I got with the coaches that I'm with now, and we have the conversations, and it's so funny how the universe brings this into your life, but having a coach that's grown up around an elite athlete and has managed an elite athlete, mm-hmm. seeing that potential and going to you, like, you have that potential, like, you need to do something with it. What do you love to do? Do that. Mm. Okay, and then worry about the rest of the other shit later. I was like, oh, wow, cool. I needed that. I needed that support mm. for someone to say, do what you love to do the way you love to do it. And I think as a as a little bit of um, context for the, the listeners and the viewers, your mm. coach is? My coach is Christos Kyrgios. And his brother is? Nick Kyrgios. So, and it's crazy, man, because yeah. that's, I mean, how much more elite can you go? Mm. And to have the com- like the kind of conversations that I'm having with this man, it's not just like, yeah, bro, this is the kind of workout we're going to do. It's more like mental, like, bro, mm. this is what I'm thinking right now. Mm. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I need. You know, and it's funny because I don't think people really have a true understanding of how athletes are, like, honestly. And that's why I'll, I'll always be like, Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant. Like, because you watch Kobe on the court, he coaching like a motherfucker because he, like, in his head, I'm seeing all this shit before it happens. Y'all need to get there now, and y'all pissing me off because y'all ain't there, and I just seen it happen type shit. And in bodybuilding, it's like, all right, cool. 
I'm in agony because I got these workouts. I'm in agony because I'm in a deficit. Mm. I can't even think straight. I ain't getting no good sleep. Oh uh, man, what do I need? I need food. I need time. I need peace. I need somebody to push me. I need somebody to wake me up. I need somebody to, you know, what? What? Dude, do this yourself, bro. Mm. You know? Or you have that person say, dude, I understand. You know what I'm saying? I'm already up. I'm I'm up whenever. You know what I mean? And like I learned that so, so well at this year, the Bahamas. I'm telling you, dude, this man Christos will be up four forty five AM, five o'clock. I'm walking down the stairs. Damn, cool. No excuse to go back upstairs and go to sleep. Great. Cause he's the first thing he's asking, he's like, What time are you going to the gym? I'm like, Oh, uh, I ain't got no answer. So all right, we're gonna go in the next forty five minutes. All right, cool. And sometimes it was literally like, I'm getting out of bed. We're going to the gym. All right, cool. I'm there. And like I've always wanted that. I always wanted that person to be. And I said it today on my story. I said, man, the pinnacle of my career will be when I'm in the gym and there's someone there saying, one more rep, fix this, put your foot this way. Here you go. I got it. All right, cool. You know. Cause moving weight and shit is already a bitch, right? Mm. Then having to dismantle the weight that you're moving and think about the weight, like whatever exercise you're gonna do, like having to think about that shit. And this might just sound like I'm spoiled or some shit, but like when I was running track, that's what was going on, man. Mm. Like I wasn't thinking about anything. I was just rocking up to practice, and my coach is like, "This is the workout. Yep. Here go your shoes. Here go your Gatorade. Gatorade's ready." Trainer's like, "What you need? You need tape? Yep." All right, typing you up. All right, cool. You need treatment? All right, cool. Here you go. I'm getting texts from my coaches and my treat my, my trainers. Like, that's what I was used to. And it was a gap. It's been a gap, you know, that I haven't had that. And um, the best thing I saw was Chris, I was left the career. He left the Bahamas and flew straight to the D.C. I was like, I said, bro, where you going? I was up early. He's like, what you doing up? He's like, you way, you way early. I'm like, yeah, man, I just couldn't sleep. I'm up. Mm-hmm. I was going to bed super early too in the Bahamas, like seven o'clock, you know? So I was getting so much sleep. And he was like, man, Nick broke one of his um, his rackets. He needs extra rackets, blah, blah, blah. I've talked on the phone with him last night. I was like, yeah, I, I watched the game. Like, what's going on? And he's like, I got to go. I'm like, all right, cool. And when I saw that shit, I was like, damn, that's it right there. That's that support, you know, because if you're working with athletes, you just got to understand sometimes that's what's going to be. It might not be as drastic as that, but, like, they need that shit. You know what I'm saying? It's like, mm-hmm. if you got to, and I, I will relate it to 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 the audience. Like, if you have a child and they really can't help themselves, even if they can, as soon as they say, I need help, you're running to the door. Like, mm-hmm. you're going and doing whatever it is you can do to get that shit done. And I didn't know that that even existed in this world of bodybuilding until I got out here and I was doing expos and I was doing bodybuilding shows and I was seeing the elite of the elite and the squads that they got with them and the people that they're training with and how it works. It's a lifestyle, but it's also, it's a neighborhood, man. Mm. And like, I'll say this to my clients all the time that I came to Australia with so many different purposes, but they all like really boil into one thing. It's like to have that community, to, to have that neighborhood of that type of crowd. I don't like whether it's bodybuilding, whether it's track and field, like it's something, you know, that brings people together. It could be coffee, it could be food, like whatever. It's bringing people together to where it's more of, we're not in the crab bucket no more. Like we pushing each other on to do better things. Like mm-hmm. we're sharing the wealth, like because knowledge is power. And that's where the wealth is at. 
when you're able to share what you learn with another person and shed light on them. Like, I want to be enlightened. Like, come on. I, and I want I, I got met with a guy yesterday that want to sign He's 15 years old. And I was like, bro, if, even if you don't do PT, hit me up. Because I want to help you. I remember when I was 15. Mm. If I had somebody that knows what I know today when I was 15 telling me, like, you know, these are the things that's going to build character. These are the things that's going to make you more responsible. These are the things that's going to build accountability. Like, I'll be like on that shit, like white on rice, you mm-hmm. know? And so for me, it's just like being able to be that OG, man. I done had all these OGs in my life. Like I said, I'm still in my twenties, but seeing that and still seeing it now being proven, like it take a whole family, man. It take a whole neighborhood to raise a, a kid. So I feel the same way about athletes. Mm-hmm. Like it take that community. So take us take us back to you're still not talking about it. <laughs> I'm going to keep pushing you. It. 2018. So you you've you finished seventh at Worlds. I did. You weren't real happy with the package that you bought. You oh, were too man. big. I was upset. So then a month later, month six weeks later, mm-hmm. you come back to Australia. Yeah. You do the first ever WBFF Australia Pro Show in the fitness model category. So tell us about that. I'm real modest, man. Honestly. Like, my accolades and shit. Yeah. I just always, always in my head, I probably heard that. Always in my head, I'm like, man, I ain't, like, I'm doing this for me, but I'm really doing this for those before me mm. that's going to come after me. Because the ones who paved the way, I have to say this first, the ones who paved the way, mm. it's like, come on, bro. You got to understand that it ain't all about you. Mm. But when it is, like, even continue to shed the fucking light, man. Like, come on, bro. Give me some cover. It's cold. Mm. So with that being said, um, yeah, we came back to Australia, man. And I had I had that little bit of window to fix this shit that I fucked up. You know what I'm saying? On stage. Mm. And it was crazy, bro, because I got my coach telling me, like, yo, we got to look like this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? How? I got to lose a little weight? No, we got to lose a lot of weight. Mm. Eight kilos type of thing. Ten and when, kilos. when we say weight as well, we're not talking about condition, oh, right? Yeah. Because your your condition is always on point. We're talking Thank about you. losing muscle. Yeah, muscle. Because mass. for that category, yes, you were just yes. you know, and obviously it was demonstrated at Worlds. You were just too big. Yeah, for the fitness I'm gonna speak category. on that. I'm gonna speak on that muscle yeah. that muscle loss yeah. because a lot of people will, will say, you know, why were you trying to lose muscle? Yeah, like. Thought you came into the game to get muscle. Mm. I'm like, bro, I really have always had muscle. So it's nothing like, for me, <gasps> it's like, yeah, I got it. I attained mm. it. But mm. it's too much, man. It's mm. almost like when people become billionaires. It's like, well, fuck, I got to start a nonprofit. Like, <laughs> you know, it's there. It's there. Same. I was like, well, I wish I had someone to give this shit to. Yeah. I didn't, but I gave it to myself in another way. You know, I got my fitness back. You know, I got I got my explosivity back. I was able to do so much more shit. Um, my restaurant heart rate improved, so all these things were improving, and um, it was just getting so much harder. Though, and I was so uncomfortable with the fact that I had to do so much work, not just as a competitor athlete, but I used to be a caretaker, so I was doing that. I was doing like crazy shifts and working night shifts, so. In my mind, every day I went to work, I was like, I'm going to work on me first, and then I'm having to go and work on adults that are not um, psychologically there. Like, they're not, you know, able, so I have to help them. And this whole bodybuilding thing 
is a psychological game, man. You know, especially when someone tells you you're too big, you have to lose muscle mass that you have worked your ass off the game. So I was like, yeah, cool. Let's do it. And in that time of my life, a lot of shit was happening. Like I was having car wrecks still, bro. Like, and I don't, I don't, if y'all don't know this, I don't drive anymore. Like right now I walk, I Uber and shit because I've had so much stuff happen to me in a car and I just feel safer on the ground. Dialing it in for October was um, pretty rigorous. You know, everything we had to do was the complete opposite of what I was already doing, Mm -hmm. what I was accustomed to. So the workload, it's funny because the workload was, I thought was already enough but then you figure out that you can go more, that there's more in the tank. And then there's always a harder, smarter way. It's more than one way to to, to skin a cat. And uh, when, you, when I think about that phrase, I'm always like, well, damn, every week in this prep heading to October, getting ready to compete in the first of its kind ever, it's got me thinking, but can I win? Like, I'm like, in my head, can I win this thing? Like, can I have this? Because like, I didn't, I dropped the ball at Worlds. So, it was, like, the pressure was on. And um, it's a lot of pros. Like, it's so many pros in the WBFF Australia fitness men's side. Yeah, especially in the pro fitness category. It's and so, a, lot of, and a lot of good pros as well. Like, yeah, great. That's some really good for yeah, and it's, it plays on your mind because you're like, well, these guys have been doing this for how long? Mm. You know? And then... For me to step onto the WBF stage as an amateur, first time get my pro card, mm. and to watch the guys that was already pros talk about how it took them two years, three years, like to get it, mm. I'm like, well, what happened to me? You know, and all the other work that I was doing pretty much paid off at that time. No one saw that shit. It's like the iceberg effect. All that shit was happening anyway. October 2018, we got to the spot. You know, I did what I had to do, like cardio steps deficit not try and the thing is man i love to train like i love going my hardest like mm-hmm. i love leaving the gym and i'm in pain i've always been that dude i've always been like all right cool how much more can we do like i know we got a crazy workout let mm-hmm. me jump back real quick used to have to run 12 400s on the minute with a minute rest Oof. Yeah, that was like punishment. We should, yeah, I know. Sickening, right? Disgusting. And I was the one in the back. How fast were you running 400s? All out my fastest. Less than a minute. Yeah. No, I was, like 400 meters. So less than a minute. Less than a minute. I was running 50s. That's what he's saying. Every yeah. minute on the minute. Yeah, minute on, yeah, on the minute. Yeah, a minute. Oh, sorry. I'm thinking 1Ks. No, yeah. no, 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 it's a quarter. I was trying to think of, uh, I'm like, fuck, I was running like three minutes, 16. It's <laughs> <laughs> so a quarter. Crash is like laughing you three times. Yeah, yeah, basically, basically. I couldn't work out why the fuck yeah. I'm at. It wasn't working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, we had, I had to do that workout because I was, mm. I was a bit of an asshole when I was a kid, popping fireworks on people's faces and shit. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so it taught me a lot. It taught me to work hard and I loved it. I loved working hard and I loved having people say, come on, man, we got one more. Come on, I love that shit. I love people getting on my ass, like, screaming and saying, like, calling out my times and telling me I ain't, you know, doing what I'm going to do. Like, I like that. It makes me come alive. Anyway, I was getting that. And that's what the beast was getting fed the proper food that it needed. So Christos was on my ass every day. You know, it was like, update me. What you look like? How you feel? What's the, what's the weight? You know? Like, damn, bro, I'm 88 kilos. What? 88 kilos. Maybe two more. All right, cool. I'm 86. I'm going to lose a little more. I'm, I'm 84. Great. Keep going. I'm like, damn, bro. I thought we, we here now, but we need to keep it. All right, cool. 
to the point to where I was in the Gold Coast, my show still ticking it. Like, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, I gotta get my steps. People like, bruh, the show in two days, and I need to be tip-top condition. And I need my mind to be clear. So and in bodybuilding, you really want a quiet room to be in for a little bit. So I just go for a walk. I'm in the Gulf Coast. The beach is there. I'm like, cool. I'm saying it's a great apartment. I'm with my coaches, my girl here. Like, everything's great. Let's do it. Go out there on stage, man. And it's like deja vu and shit. Mm. Man, I've been here before. So I ain't got no hair no more. Like, you know, I had the hair in 2017. And I just had to make a lot of changes between then and 2018. And those changes is uh, what brought me to be able to say that I am the first Australian pro fitness model champion in the WBFF. Um, and it all paid off. It all paid off. As, as hurt as I was in the August 2018, not getting where I was wanting to go as I projected myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like I said, man, you know, proper planning prevents piss poor performance and I didn't plan properly back then, but on the lead up to October, the plan was like magnificent. And then even after that, like that was re- like that was like the pinnacle of my career. I was like, "This is great. Mm. Where how how is it gonna get better?" You know, Christos immediately goes, "Yeah, we're going to we're going to Worlds and we hitting top five, baby." I'm like, "Huh?" He's like, "Bro, we can even go for top three if you really want to." I'm like, "All right, okay, cool. So prep, we'll you know what we're gonna do next year." And he's like, "It starts now." I'm like what? I'm like, bro, it's October thirteenth. You know, mm. I just won my title. <laughs> I just won the title, bro. I was gonna wake up, eat some ice cream, and some cookies and shit. He's like, oh, is that elite? Though, mm. he says you were going to be an elite athlete, so you got to act like one. So I'm like, all right, damn, be right. And it just made me think of my childhood when my coaches just take used to take away from me my starburst and shit mm. in practice. Like, I don't know how the fuck you see that. You got X-ray vision, like you know, <laughs> and um. Yeah, October 13th, the day after the show, people was coming to my room and shit. And I was giving out fucking um, cookies and ice cream. Like, literally. It's funny. Because I was staying in the room with Toby. Toby Harrison, he's a photographer, and he was, like, getting people were booked in. Like, I was like, yo. Like, after the shoot, here you go. They're like, this is awesome. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it is. Because now I don't have to eat this shit. Anyway. We now in prep, you know, I had a few days and a couple of weeks where it was lenient, you know, it was holiday and shit. So um, I, I did a little bit of a Thanksgiving thing, even though Thanksgiving's not um, celebrated here. And I made like sweet potato pies and shit and took them over to the family's crib and then did Christmas and then we was right on to it. And I was like, damn, bro, what? We like, we nine months out. Mm. I text him, I said, it takes nine months to make a baby. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm. And he was like, exactly. I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> it makes sense. All right, cool. And it did. It took, it really took all of that time, bro. Like, from December, January, all the way up to August, man. It took, October even, you know, it took all that time because the way my physique was like, Taking off, I'm a genetic freak. It just wants to grow, mm. and like every time I was eating, I was growing. He's like, "Dude, what you doing?" I was like, "Nothing." It's like literally, I'm just eating carbs. Like, how many? I'm like all of them. <laughs> like, he's like, "No." I'm like, "But I'm training hard as fuck." He's like, "No, well, we're gonna try something else." And I was like, "All right, cool. What's up? What you think about keto?" I got the keys. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What's up? Nah, I'll be honest. Um, I didn't even know anything about keto. I just thought it was one another one of them Atkin diets. I was like, mm-hmm. mm. 
like let's do some research or whatever. And I'm all about health anyway. So the first thing I saw was like, it's going to improve my health. I was like, oh, cool. How? You know, what's going to allow me to do better? It's going to reduce inflammation. Cool. My knees already be hurting. I got a triple jump knee or whatever. We want to call it tennis elbow. Whatever. Everybody got it. If I reduce some inflammation by reducing foods that cause that shit, maybe I will feel better. And I started feeling better. Mm. And I was like learning so much more about my body and the type of body I have. Like I'm, I'm really, I got real full muscle bellies and it doesn't take anything a sniff of a carb to fill them out, you mm. know? So when I started learning that and how I responded, I was like, oh, okay, well, I can really do without these for a minute. And when I say I'm doing without carbs, like, it's not zero. I've done the zero thing. It's, like, it's not that crucial. Like, people think of keto and they go, man, zero carbs, no carbs. I'm like, well, it's, it's more to that, more bills and whistles, man. You know, I was learning so many things about my fiber intake and the kind of carbs I needed to have, not, you know, something that wouldn't, raise my insulin levels too crazy but anything and everything that you eat gonna raise your insulin levels like that's just how we work as humans and depend upon what kind of human your body has or whatever it is you're gonna respond to these carbs different so that's what I was doing I, I'm not really big on rice never really have been this is like uh, fried rice like everybody love that shit it's dope like mm. come on but um, I really like fats and, and meats and shit so I was like man cool I, I moved to a country that's gonna allow me to do this an easier way like I said Australia is a place that has allowed me to really be who I am no matter what direction I decide to go like if I go oh cool I, I want to jump into keto. I want to jump into paleo. People in the fitness industry fucking love it. They're like, oh, cool. Well, now you're the keto person. Tell me about that. Oh, I thought you was in keto. I call you up on that shit. I'm like, yeah, this is great because now I got other people out here putting the pressure on me because I, I spoke this shit out. Like, I'm about to do keto and I'm doing it and I'm learning. Like, this is this this is the way that we're going to make this new fresh, like the fresh 2.0 and shit. And so I was dove into it. You know, high fat bacon, eggs, cheese, all that shit. And people are like, how are you eating that? And looking like that. I was like, because I, I removed the carbs. I was like, so there's no, like, not a lot of glycogen mm. in my muscle storage. And I already had so much mass from the previous shows and off seasons and carbohydrates. I was like, it's the, the tank's so full that we can literally run off this shit for the next six months. And we did. And then we'd play some refeeds in there and I refed and then filled out and we yinged and yanged and we tried it and this and tried that and boom. Guess what? We had worlds, and I'm on the stage. Like even like the days coming into that shit, man. I was looking at my physique. I was like, Chris, look at this. Like I ain't never seen this. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking at my like, yeah, I lost a lot of weight, but the conditioning was like next level. Mm. Even to the point where I wasn't believing it. You know, and I, I was on the phone with you in the Bahamas telling you, like, man, I'm going through this and, like, my, my body holding water. Like, I don't know, like, if this is real, but I'm looking, like, dice as fuck, but I don't know if I'm dice. I don't know if it's the lighting. And then they say, we got to eat carbs. And I'm like, hold on, wait. I'm afraid to do that. You know, so and I was because I hadn't had them. I know what they do to me. We ate them and I was like, oh, shit, I'm looking even crazier. Mm. And so it was like, cool. We broke keto. And once you break, like, keto. If you don't know, this is what happens. You break keto. You can't just jump like right back into ketosis. Like once you out, you fucking out. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like three strikes, you gone. Keto give you one. You know what I'm saying? And you, the limit is for me. If you go on and ketosis, you need to stay in nutritional ketosis to stay. You have to be at 50 grams of carbohydrates. So if you busting a hundred, that might be fine. You know, mm. if 
I guess 30 of that is fiber or 50. You might be still fine. If even 120, but I was at like 400, bro, like 500 and shit. And it was, I was loving it. My body was accepting it really well. And from there, I have been out of keto, but moderately yinging and yanging it, like, you know, in between the weeks. I have one high day. For those who want to know what my split look like, I have one high carb day. And then today is today, the high carb day. And uh, from there, Getting onto stage and doing a carb up was insane for me because we normally, we just used um, potatoes. Mm. Like, and it was crazy because it wasn't like your average thing that guys do, like lollies and shit. And we're going to play with that also. But at the time, it was like, well, we can't introduce anything that your body's completely foreign to. You have had starches and shit along the way here and there for spikes. So mm. we're going to run with that. And it really worked well to when I hopped on that stage. It wasn't even a question about is he conditioned enough? You know what I'm saying? Like, can he fucking pose? Like, man, if you know me, I'm a I'm a pose the fucking house down. I'm gonna entertain whatever room I'm in. I'm gonna entertain that shit. Like, mm. that's what I like to do. The question was, are you confident enough to pull this shit off with this new physique? No more dreadlocks. You know what I'm saying? You grew your hair a little bit. You got a fade. I'm cutting my own hair, so I'm like. This is the thing look good enough. Like, I did this shit. I don't know. I might just be biased and shit, you know. Anyway, man, I'm looking at this man, Wills, the reigning champion. I'm like, damn, okay, cool. I'm not too far off, you know what I'm talking about? Like, and he's a cool guy. We talking, we chatting up. We actually got our tan um, almost simultaneously. So we chatting. Like, everybody else is scattering like roaches when you turn the lights on. I'm like, why are y'all not in this man's presence? If I'm in the, dude, I was in a room with Dexter Jackson as a, kid in this industry and I ran straight up to him because I wanted to hang out with him. I didn't even know who he was. Mm. And he was just like, ha, he was laughing. He was like, boy, you need to get in the gym and do this and do that. And I, I was like, cool. And one day, I hope, I hope he hears this or sees this one day, like, I'm going to be able to meet him again and tell him, like, bro, I took what you said and I ran with it. Same with Mike Rashid, took what you said, I ran with it. But anyway, get on that stage and man, I tore it up, bro. And I went and I was feeling myself. Like, I was really confident. I really loved where the headspace I was in. It was a very different experience. I felt confident enough to compete with the guys in my respectful category. All that hard work had really, really came to fruition. Like, seeing all the fucking cardio, bro. Like, I was walking. Dude, I was walking from Glen Elk. For my Adelaide listeners, I was walking to from Glen Elk to the SA Aquatic Center in Marion. I even passed you. Mm. One of these days. And he's like, dude, what you doing? I'm like, man, I got to get these steps. And I was getting there. And I wasn't just going for the destination. It was more to the journey. I was going so I could swim like a K. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I was a lifeguard. I love swimming. So I was like, fuck, I got the two. Use it. Put it in the mix. And then afterwards, I go, all right, maybe I can have a sauna and stretch. Like, but let's work first. And so mm -hmm. all that work was being paid off. Because when I was in the Bahamas and people were seeing my conditioning and like the whole, like the first 2.0 fucking physique, I was like, damn, maybe I need to do keto and shit. <laughs> I said, well, it's not for everyone, but I can tell you a little bit of what you want to know. And the thing about what people want to know about keto is, yeah, man, it's hard. You're going you're gonna to hit some bumps in the road. But if you're looking to see some type of initial body composition change within, I guess, the first 30 days or whatever it is you're doing, if you jump on a keto train, you will see something. Is it sustainable? No. Like, you can't do that shit forever. You know what I mean? You have to give your body what it needs mm. eventually. Mm. You know, and there's um, everything... 
happens in time you know it, it's a certain time for this and a certain time for that and so where i'm at now people like give me the shit now because they're like well what happened to keto and i'm like happened to your mama fam like you know what i'm saying like that's a that's the camp i'm from you know what I'm, saying? I'm real with it like so if you ask me something just expect that i'm gonna be like all right this is what the deal is. Like, I'm straight away bite back. I'm gonna tell you what's up. Like, yeah, cool. I did keto, but it ain't all overall diets. You know, it's a tool, and I'm not abusing it. You know, why would I do that? So many people do it. So where I'm at today, getting ready for my next two shows. You know what I'm saying? I got WBFF Australia finna defend that title. Um, I'm really excited about that. Re like, I don't think you understand. Mm. Um. We're excited about it too, man. It's the shit that keep me up at night. Yeah. It's not the magpies. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, um, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about it. I'm, um, I'm writing it down. I'm seeing it happen already. Like, I'm like, yo, this pose is going to be insane. Like, cool. I'm sending Toby, like, photos of my posing and shit. For y'all who don't know, like, y'all know I'm a posing coach and shit, but I need extra eyes. I need them. It, it makes a difference. So we're going to do it again in like less than four weeks. And then from there, because I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep going. I'm, I'm going to go to the UK. And I'm going to place my bid on the next best of the best stage in the world. And the UK show is crazy. It's always crazy. You know, it's, it's like it's like any other, it's not like any other show. It's an um, evening show. Most shows are morning, evening, morning and evening show. This is an evening show only. And uh, that's something that I'm really interested to see how that goes because um, I really, the, shine, the stars shine bright at night, the brightest. Mm. And for me, that's how I feel about every show I do in the night. It's like, damn, if I could have brought this one, I would have shook, shook it up a little bit more. Mm. So that's what I want to do. And no, like, no matter what the outcome is, I'm just really going for the journey. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people miss that. Like I'm going for that and that only. And that journey has something to come out of it. Like something comes with that. Y'all know what it is. If you if you're a champion, you already know. Like you ain't just going not to become a champion. You want to remain a champion. And so that journey that I'm going through right now, sitting here on the other side of this microphone, is turning me into that champion that I want to be. Amazing story, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can probably, uh, the, the listeners and the viewers by the, uh, silence between Eve and I, we're just kind of like sitting back <laughs> listening. <laughs> the thing is, is we didn't actually touch on fitness or business. We just, we're still at freshest introduction. Yeah. 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 Sorry about that. Yeah. Sorry about no, that. but you, you, you do a, um, you're, you're a very good storyteller, um, which is not surprising because you're very charismatic in everything that you do. But, uh, but it's a, it's an incredible story, and um, you know the the I think the fact that we didn't specifically touch on fitness or business is uh, pretty irrelevant because you you did a lot of both, you know, mm. just through your story. Actually, and I think you know, yeah. the, like there's, you know, I'm taking notes and stuff as you as you're talking, and you know, there's there's probably I think four main points. Mm four main threads that kind of weave through the fabric of your life thus far. Um, the first one is just like your, your ability to try different things. 
you know, like just the number of different sports you've been involved with, the number of different jobs that you've done, like just tasting yeah. a lot of different things until you've kind of found what it is that you pretty much, you know, not only what it is that you enjoy, but what it is that you are genetically predisposed to be really good at. That's you know, the crazy thing about like, it. Yeah. You know, and we, we even mentioned it in episode 23 um, when we're talking about when it's time to move on. You mm-hmm. know, you, you gave really, from the fitness perspective, a couple of different examples. The first was basketball where, you know, uh, raw, but the truth it is you're too short to be a basketballer. Yeah, I'm going to grow. You know, and then when you got to that that kind of level with, with track and field where it's like, man, all right, well, this is where the best of the best are. This is where I'm at. My time's kind of running out. Mm. I just don't, you know, d- I need to call the spade a spade. The 100%. truth is this is just not for me. And just your ability to, to um, not get emotionally caught up in that, but just pivot. And go, all right, on to the next thing. And also have the analytical look at it and and just say, all right, yeah, like you just said, you're not tall enough. All right, yeah. basketball isn't for you. Yeah. All right, coming seventh or not placing as high as you would, but you're too big, not saying, well, fuck you, I look good. It's like, all right, well, what do I actually have to do? I have to lose muscle to do that. Is And that's what a lot of people don't have that good eye to look at themselves and say, well, as we said yesterday when episode 23 of the podcast yeah. is, all right, well, fuck maybe I do need to change the goals here. Like, yeah. all right, I'm not going to be, yeah. I'm not going to be men's physique or sorry, fitness model at 89 or 90 kilos. I need to be 82 kilos and then change your goals and then smart goals. And then is it realistic that I'm going to be a, a men's physique world champion at 90 kilos when I'm everyone else on the stage is 80 kilos right, right. and then changing that and just having that real analytical look at, at what you're doing and the results you've achieved and then going back to the drawing board and setting new goals from that. Yeah. It's almost like the, the, the cliche saying where, you know, it's the best thing that never happened, you know, like there's been so many of those along your life, like things, things that didn't happen, yes. but like you said, like things happen for you, right? Yeah, and you can, you can never join the dots looking forwards. You can only join them looking back, but you've had so many situations where there's things that haven't happened that have been the best things that yeah. never happened yeah, because they've led to where you are now, exactly. right? That's the first thing that really kind of stood out to me. The, you know, the, the, the second thing was kind of what you said is, is, you know, setting goals, going towards those goals on the journey of achieving those goals, but at the same time taking in the real world feedback yes. of what's happening and readjusting, you know, and, and, you know, especially one thing that you've been very good at is, not doing the same things and expecting a different outcome, which so many people do, right? That's insanity right there, bro. But a hundred percent, but it's just like, you know, the, the feedback from the mm. world is telling me that my inputs are not, are not getting the outputs that I want. So let me just continue doing the same shit right. and just wish that it's going to yeah, change. It's never going to happen though. You know, your ability just to, you know, almost be unemotional towards it and just go, you know what, this, this, this is just the facts, mm. right? If I, want, if I want a different outcome, I'm going to have to, you know, your, your physique recently in the last 12 months is a fantastic example of it. If I don't want to play seventh at Worlds again and get the same feedback that I'm too big. Right. I can't continue to train and diet the way I'm training and dieting and expect the result to be different. It's not going to fucking happen. So being able to take that feedback, readjust, go, okay, what do I need to do differently to achieve the particular outcome? 
that I'm trying to achieve. That's why it's so important to train yourself with people that are willing to give you that feedback as well. Is all right, fresh yeah. you're too fat, fresh you're too short, fresh yeah. you're too slow, fresh whatever it may yeah, be yeah. throughout that time. Is there's so many people blowing smoke up each other's asses or yeah. like fresh you look amazing, whereas you fucking still too fat or if yeah. you if you like, please don't tell me I look amazing. But yeah. if you like if you're too big, like if you're too like you're still not lean enough to step on stage on a conditioning on an issue, but things mm. like that, the people do step on stage because of their mum and their brother and their sister and their best mate. Oh, you look amazing. But yeah. realistically you, you don't right. like harshly, you don't look good enough to, to play as well. Do get the results you want and then it's going to hurt. And it's, it's fair on yourself and fair on the person you're giving the feedback to, to give them those, that hard talk. Like you say, Joe is, is mm. the hard talks. You need to have those hard talks with people yeah. and you need to have those hard talks. You need to have those uncomfortable conversations to be able to progress in life and move forward like you're not going to get better if people keep telling you how great you are when you're not really that great because mm. they don't want to hurt your feelings or whatever yeah 100 percent. i think the other thing that that really kind of stands out to me fresh with with you and this is something that you know i've noticed about you even before uh you telling the story which is the first time i've heard the the full story this is true uh but things that i've heard about uh, that, that that i have picked up on you um just knowing you personally is that your actions map to your intentions very well. You know, you have particular goals, you know what you want to achieve. You are, you, you have very specific intentions and you put in the work and develop the habits and the routines that support achieving those goals. You know, so many people have these big goals and these big dreams, but like what I say, man, it's black and it's white. Yeah, it's it like, is. are your actions, are your habits, are your routines, are the things that you're doing moving you closer towards those goals or are they moving you further away? And I think, you know, you, you mentioned a couple of times in your younger years where you identified that there were things that were taking you further away. There were so many of them. You know, like you just, you, you, your distractions, as yeah, you called them. so many. Getting wow. caught up in the wrong crowds or spending time doing the wrong things right. or, you know, partying on weekends, right. coming back to track an extra couple of kilos too heavy, right. you know, and being able to have the awareness of that and pull yourself up on it and say, you know what, this is, this is not supportive of what I'm trying to achieve and being able to have the, the strength of mind and the strength of will to adjust, right. to change that and, and make sure that your actions do, uh, do map to your intentions. And I think, you know, the, probably the, probably the biggest thing that I, that I noticed that was something that I, I didn't really know about you until, um, you've told the full story is that the saying you are the company you keep is very, very practical. And I think that, you know, you gave a few examples in different areas of your life the, the you know, when you transferred schools, yeah, you know, to that, that uh, higher class school, you know, for lack of a better description that kind of forced you to level up a little I bit. I had to, uh, you know, then when you went to, uh, college and you went for the the position where you were kind of in charge of the the dorm yeah had right? to level up forced you to level up right then when you got your when you turned pro and you were like you know fuck it i'm going straight to the world stage forced you to level up forced me you know and i think that uh, a lot of people sometimes have the intention of leveling up yeah. they have their intention of taking their fitness goals their business goals their life goals whatever it is to the next level and it's not from lack of intention and sometimes it's not even from lack of action or lack of execution that prevents them from getting there 
It's the fact that the company they keep is not conducive to them leveling up. And the people that they're spending a lot of their time with are kind of down at this level and they're trying to break through and get to like this level, but they can't do it because the people they're around most of the time just want to stay at this level. And I think they need to hear that more. Yeah. Like that, that right there is like the perfect like you put it the perfect way, you mm. know what I'm saying? Like if you had to calculate that shit on some on, in some maths, like that's gonna give you the outcome yeah. that you're dreaming about is doing that. Yeah, and it's and I think the reason why people are so hesitant to do it is because it's uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable, you know. And and I mean, you fuck man, like you've had so many transferring schools to uh, moving to the other side of the world you've had numerous examples of where you have just literally been completely out of your comfort yeah. zone completely fish out of water but you did it because you knew it's it, it's the company you keep right yeah. you, you knew you needed to do it to get out of the the uh, the social circles the community so on and so forth that you're in that were kind of keeping you down yeah. to allow you to get to the next level and a lot of people struggle with that because it's uncomfortable because Very they uncomfortable. don't want to take the risk they don't want to feel like the fish out of water they don't want to feel like the, new, the new kid on the block True. you know what True. i'm saying and I think that that, you know, you, you are a, uh, just a living example of um, being able to put that into practice. I'll take that one. And coming out the other side. I'm, I'm coming out the other side hard this time too. So. Did you say what side? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to wait to see that. Ooh, ooh, wait. That's for the future fresh. Yeah, that's for the future fresh. Man, thank you so much. No, thank you for having me, man. It's been um, uh, it's it's been a great great podcast, and um, you know, like Neve said, completely different to any other podcast we've yeah, done. Yeah, no, we, we didn't just kind of business. Yeah. I mean, we just kind of let you talk, yeah. but you you just it's such a such an amazing story, and so many things that you know I've just picked some few a few bits and pieces out mm. that I've been able to um, you know identify and, and and articulate for the listeners and the viewers. But I think just listening to your story and and seeing how you got from, you know, um, Memphis, Tennessee, uh, you know, as as let's let's say you started off as a short basketballer, yeah, uh, pretty to, much, <laughs> to you know, on the other side of the world in Australia, Australia's number one pro fitness model. I have no doubt in the next few years to be the world's number Thank one you. pro fitness model. Thank you. Um, you know, you've just got everything that it takes to be able to get there. And, uh, and most importantly, the mindset Thank and you. the willingness to do the work uh, and get uncomfortable yeah. and just do whatever it fucking takes to get that's, there. That's the business side right there. A hundred percent, man. I think people you know, don't see. And, and, and I just think that that story, there's just so, so much juice that people can squeeze out of that. Yeah, I want them to. Yeah. I really do. Hit me up. Yeah, and apply to uh, to their own journeys and their own goals and their own life, whether it's fitness, business, life, whatever, yeah, whatever it, is. it is, man. Like, I mean, go get yeah. it, do that shit. Like, 100%. grab it by the fucking balls, run with it. Yeah, and then when you run with it and you hit the fucking top, hit me up, call me. Speaking of, where can uh, where can people find you, man? Where's the best place? Yo, if you don't know, you won't know. Let's I tell you, my guy. Look, you can find me on Instagram at freshandrucker.com. I'm mm -hmm. sorry, not .com. That's my website. You can find me on the internet if you're trying to get some gains. You can find me at freshandrucker.com.au. Instagram at freshandrucker. Facebook freshandrucker. If you're on Twitter, I'm out there somewhere. Fresh and running. Mm -hmm. Might see some college shit, but hey, hit me up, man. Like I said, call me. 
Mm. And you've got your own series on the Master Joe's YouTube yes, channel as well. I do. So we got we have the Fresh Files, man. So that thing right there is still rolling. It's still rolling. We get it in order. So I want y'all to keep up with that. Mm. See what's going on because there's some stuff that's really ha- like I got some shit brewing in this pot, man. Like I'm getting ready. I'm shooting a feature film. Like I want to drop that real quick. I ain't gonna tell y'all which one it is, but I'm shooting the film and mm. your boy's face is gonna be on TV at least. So y'all might just hear my voice on this podcast, but you know, we're still working on that goal of being one day in entertainment. But right now, I got some other shit I have to do, mm. you know, so, and it's more of importance right now. Mm. And uh, yeah, find me on that YouTube, Fresh and Rucker, underneath the Massive Joe's YouTube channel. Absolutely. And Big Nave, we have one thing that we ask of the viewers mm-hmm. each and every episode of the Massive Joe Show podcast. And that is to share the podcast, guys. If you've, uh, you know, if you've listened to the story of Fresh and Rucker and you've enjoyed listening to his, uh, to his story and the way that he tells the story, if you've taken value from this podcast, man, we just ask one thing and that's that you share it. You can share it person to person. You can tell someone about the podcast. You can tell someone about the show. Uh, one of the best ways to kind of share it to as many people as possible is if you're listening Take a screenshot of whatever platform you're listening on, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, uh, where else people listen, man, SoundCloud. I see all sorts of screenshots. I'm like, what the mm. fuck? Yeah, what what sort of podcast? I don't even know you're on that podcasting <laughs> platform. Anyway, all you weird motherfuckers listening on some weird podcasting platform, take a screenshot Just of Google that. Just Google Massive Joe Show and you yeah. want to share that shit. That's it. Post, uh, post a screenshot in your Instagram story and tag Freshy and Rucker, of course, at F R E S H I A. N R U C K E R spelling B champion checking. Yes, sir. hit me up, man. Like I, I say that shit, I'm, I'm dead ass. Like yeah, send man. me a message. Tag at Neve Movement. Tag myself at Joseph Mensell and tag at Massive Joe's. And we see that shit. We repost it, mm-hmm. and we appreciate that because that's the most efficient way to share this shit. Mm-hmm. Fresh. Thank you once again, man. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the on the, on the podcast. I think uh, uh, you know my my inclination is to get you back on and delve into because I have a whole page of notes here and delve into some bits and pieces here because I have some questions about you know your mindset with regards to a bunch of the decisions that you've made. So let's do it, man. I'm I'm just gonna, I'm just going to call it now. I think the listeners and the viewers keep a keep a, an ear out or an eye out. Mm-hmm. For a future episode of the Master Joe Show featuring Freshie and Rocker, mm-hmm. we can go balls deep. There's plenty of stuff. There's a, there's a bunch of stuff to unpack. Training, but, training, diet. We'll touch on diet, but training, yeah, diet, yeah, sponsorships, yeah, those kind of things. The whole thing, the whole thing. <laughs> I'm excited already. Four hour podcast right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the juice. That's it. That's it. But thank you, Fresh Man. It's been a great first podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Master Joe Show. It. And I'm sure it won't be long until the next one. Big Neve. Thank you as well, man. No worries. Derek Fisher. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Find a new one. (laughs) Until next time, where are we coming to and from, man? Massivejoes.com. Stay massive. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Massive Joes Show. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it be SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Massive Joes Show, ensure that you give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting platform. Until next time, we're coming to you from MassiveJoes.com. Stay massive.